Gonna be the best family vacation ever. I'm not gonna go. We'll treat everything as an adventure. California, here we come. Join the Gainers on a trip to paradise. Pacific Ocean, right at our doorstep. But be patient. There's a detour just around the bend. Daddy, no, 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 don't tell Landon. I'm not here. Oh, wow. Okay, well, solo podcasting today. It's just uh, Ira Glass all alone in the studio. <laughs> Act one of our program, RVs. Uh, Landon, have you ever gone RVing? Have you RV'd in your life? There was a, a time... And I haven't completely written this off yet, but there was a time when I thought my retirement plan would be kind of about Schmidt-ish, which mm. we'll get into. We're gonna re- we're gonna be revisiting about Schmidt uh, oh, yeah. later in this episode. Schmidt's gonna um, happen. <laughs> I where I wanted to get an RV and just drive across the country and maybe a little bit of Canada. Um, mm. Just a little that bit. Would be, that would be my retirement. The thing I hit on, though, and this is when I was between jobs many years ago, was uh, why why wait till retirement? Like, why not do that now? At the time, I was able to work remotely, and it didn't matter mm-hmm. which state I was in. Uh, I'm like, what if what if I do that? Yeah, uh, life is a highway, man. <laughs> Got to ride it all night long. I opted to move to Madison instead. And mm. uh, buy a place, and and now I am stationary. I'd still, I still like the idea. I, I like the romantic notion of being in an RV on the road, uh, but it's not something I'm actively pursuing as much as I I used to. I I kind of you know well, okay. Well, first I didn't I didn't realize that that you were actively considering RV life like in the time that I I'd, I'd known you. I didn't realize yeah. that it was it was Madison or RV. Um, st- staying with you for three or four days probably wouldn't have been as pleasant if we'd both been crammed into an RV. So that would be <laughs> I, I I think I'm I'm happy with the choice that you made. I, I've. I've never really been RVing. I only know about it through the many movies about RVing. Um, mm-hmm. But the Im- the impression that I get is that is that it's it, it's probably one of those things that looks a lot better. Like it seems a lot better in your mind that it than it actually is when you're doing it. I I don't know. I I well I don't. It, I guess it depends on how you're dis dis predisposed. Um, Are like you looking for a parameter. I love open road cross country driving. It's just sure. it's one of my all time favorite things. This is true. One thing that I don't like about it though is feeling a little cramped, mm. um, having to you know actually dine on you know shitty gas station food and coffee, like mm. having everything to my own kind of neurotic <laughs> specifications. Um, while being able to uh, uh, experience the open road is kind of the dream for me. Yeah. Um, what turns me off a little bit about it is uh, parking those things. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. If, oh, oh shit. I got to go to, I got to do grocery shopping because I have a full on kitchen now. Uh, and like having to find my way into a Walmart or Costco parking lot in an RV that fills me with anxiety. Well, and and also the fact that every other car in that Walmart parking lot is also an RV, most likely being driven by someone with worse <laughs> eyesight and hearing than you. Yeah, that's that makes it extra dangerous. 
Um, and then the other thing is like parking, uh, like doing an RV park at night. Uh, there's something, I don't know, uh, like I, I'm absolutely not a gun person, but I don't think you can do that safely without some sort of, I'm not necessarily saying firearm, but some sort of protection or at least a, a plan. Cause that's one of those RV doors isn't going to save you too much. I, I I love that you specified that it, that your protection doesn't have to be a gun because now I'm just picturing you driving around the country with like a samurai sword hanging Hell yeah. like right up above it. Yeah, like that's that's awesome. You just reach up there and grab it, and you're you're ready to go with whatever tweaker is trying to siphon your gas. I I'm going to home alone my RV. <laughs> how does that? How was that not the sequel? Why did he get lost in New York? He should have been home alone on the road in an RV. That family, that family was rich enough to have a really big RV. Um, well, it changes the the name and the concept a little bit. It wouldn't be home alone anymore. It'd be home along, uh, to, or ho- home a road maybe. Uh, no, that just that just sounds like you built a house on on the shoreline and it's slowly getting eroded, which is. The reality for many people's California dreams of having a seaside oh, house. Why'd you have I, to bring it back to the topic I, today. I, I'm, so, I'm sorry. Can we just yeah? Let's just talk more about RVing, a thing that neither of us has actually done, but a lot of but we've well, nonetheless seen movies about. Here's the good thing: is that we don't need to know about RVing for the movie we watch today because there's not a lot of RVing happening in it, despite well, it being an RV movie. It's 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 really sort of a conundrum, isn't it? Because there is a lot of RV in the movie, but there's not a lot of actual RVing. It's like the whole kind of like, what, a square is a rectangle, but a rectangle isn't a square or some shit like that. I don't know how it works. Like, like I don't know that this movie gets as philosophical or as existential as that, but yes. I, I, I don't know. There's kind of, no, there's also sort of a Schrodinger's dog where the dog seems to be both dead and alive at one point. So it, it this movie experiments with some, uh, it, it flirts with some deeper notions or maybe i just uh maybe i just was so beaten down by this movie at that point <laughs> that i was trying to ascribe depth where there was none okay so let's just quickly mention uh because people probably you know obviously have seen the the title of the episode before they press play <laughs> yes but they're probably going california what? dreaming what is that you know there are other movies <laughs> out there called california dreaming uh, yeah. We're not talking about the Mamas and the Papas song or documentary <laughs> about the Mamas and Papas. Wouldn't it be cool if we got to the point with this podcast where we're just like reviewing songs like Patricia Richardson sang background vocals <laughs> on that song. She played the flute Fuck, solo. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go into Willow's uh, career. Oh, my God. Yeah, exactly. That's uh, th- yeah. Just a total uh, Jefferson Airplane uh, nosedive. Yeah. yeah. Love it. Um, so we're we're. Covering a movie from 2007 called California Dreaming, and Oof. the reason we're covering it is that it stars one Patricia Richardson. Yes. Uh, and maybe Vicki Lewis, if you want to include her, uh, since she played Maureen on an episode or two of Home Improvement. And she was on 96 episodes of News Radio, as well as one of the other stars of this show. I'm going to say that's the one thing, because uh, Dave Foley is also in this. We'll get into Woo! the casting crew Woo! in a second. Woo! Uh, the one thing I took away from this movie is i need to watch news radio again soon God, yeah i i really want to fire that up too you just have to brace yourself to be really sad about phil hartman you need oh, to like God. I, I know i'm sorry to even bring i, it I up. know you know what i'm ready i'm in a place uh the the fly in the wall podcast with david spade and, and dana carney 
Car- Dana Carney, good lord. Dana Carney, he works at fairs that travel around the country. <laughs> it's all about people who threw up on the Tilt-A-Whirl. They just did a, a two-part uh, Phil Hartman tribute, and oh. it really painted out, like, it's time for us to move past the tragedy and appreciate the underappreciated performer that he was. So mm-hmm. uh, I think I think I'm ready for uh, for a Phil Hartman renaissance. Yeah, I'm. I listen. I'm. I'm here for the the hardisance, the philosance, if you will. So let's talk real quick. Uh, California Dreaming. This is not the Armand Asante film. Uh, no, no, from, from 2007. So just yes, it's another California Dreamin' from 2007, uh, and it's it's not the California Dreamin' from 1979. This whole podcast is about what the movie we're reviewing isn't. They, they picked <laughs> they picked a title. Last week's movie had a title that was not very descriptive of what was going on in it, and th- this week's movie has a title that makes it very difficult to find exactly what you're you're dealing with here. And maybe maybe that's for the better. Uh, California Dreamin'. Um, you know what? Before I go into the technical specs, why don't you give us a quick rundown as to what this movie's about, and then I'm going to talk a little bit about it. Tightly wound Omaha real estate agent Ginger Gaynor is determined to take her family on a cross-country RV trip to Doheny Beach, California, but a cascading series of disasters prevents them from ever getting out of Nebraska. Nice and succinct. Uh, I appreciate your your staying on trackness, unlike the movie. Um, yes, yeah, you appreciate my brevity, unlike the movie. This is the longest movie we've ever watched, not just for the podcast, but in our lives. It's only an hour and twenty six minutes, and I felt every fucking second of this. It, but it's like non Euclidean minutes and and seconds. <laughs> like it, it's it's yes, it's an hour and twenty six minutes, but it's also. 85 years long you know yes yeah and i want to ask you we're we're we're, again you know we're matthew mcconaughey on that planet in interstellar where like every minute is 50 (laughs) years on earth i i knew i should have picked up that book which said don't do it (laughs) yeah i I was in the bookshop don't watch california dreaming murph (laughs) um i want to ask you before i go into the the details here of uh behind the scenes yeah does this where where does this fall in relation to Crazy on the Outside for you? Uh, this is this is better than Crazy on the Outside. It it y- yeah, it's be- it's it's kind of a near thing, but it's definitely better than Crazy on the Outside. However, um I will say just to give listeners at home a, a, a like just give them kind of a one a very quick idea of where we're at with this movie. Very early on in the movie, I found myself thinking, you know what? I really wish Alf was in this movie. Oh, holy shit. Alf would really give this movie the kick in the pants that I think that it needs. So, wow, better better than Crazy on the Outside, but I think otherwise um, second worst movie we've done. So I I think I completely agree with you. I wouldn't call it better than Crazy on the Outside. I would call it less abrasive, which is, you know, damning with faint praise. Uh, Uh, Look, Crazy on the Outside was upsetting. This movie was depressing. This movie, more than anything, just made me really sad. I, I Welcome to our tr- podcast. <laughs> I tried. Okay, no, I, I okay. I got to go into the the details, and then we'll talk about personal. We need the specs. Yeah, p- yeah. yeah. Revive specs. us with specs. Specs. This movie was written and directed, which I think is our first 
film <laughs> that has been written and directed by someone. Uh, Although, again, crazy on the outside, I know that Tim Allen was an accredited writer, but, you know. It, it feels like it. Yeah, I, yeah, well, I'm not, since it's not credited, I'm not about to confirm that. But yeah, we, we can't defy IMDb. I know, I know. Go on. Okay. Uh, written and directed by one Linda Voorhees, uh, not, as far as I know, related to Jason, which is, uh, first and foremost, the biggest disappointment. I, I know. I well, as soon as I saw the name of the director, I was like, "Oh, Landon's gonna have thoughts." Uh, my thought is, I'd rather be watching any of the Friday the Thirteenth movies. Yeah, but you, uh, yeah, but that would my apply partner and you... I are, are currently going through, and I'm like, I I gave up tonight to hang out with her and watch a Friday the Thirteenth movie to watch this shitty piece of shit. Um, <laughs> I mean, but we could be watching like we could be watching The Bicycle Thief, and you'd be like, I'd kind of rather be watching a Friday the Thirteenth movie. Like that's, that's not, not that's... true. That's uh, not true. I think that might be a little bit true, Landon. If you look I inside love your soul. Uh, okay, but you also think it would be improved if people were getting stabbed by a kid with a hockey mask. Not necessarily. And he, well, I, listen. Okay. No, nobody would have stolen that guy's bike if if <laughs> if Jason had been there to like protect it. That's uh, he hates horny teenagers and Italian bicycle thieves. <laughs> Linda Voorhees uh, is a writer of five films. Um, yep. A couple of TV movies called Crazy from the Heart, Two Mothers for Zachary. Uh, then a direct-to-video sequel to The Lion King, Lion King 2, Simba's Pride. Hmm. Uh, that that was kind of big. does not have JTT in it, does it? No, I don't think I don't think it does. No. That would Matthew be... Broderick comes back, but JTT doesn't. Okay. <laughs> well, JTT had more shit going on than Ferris Bueller. <laughs> that was uh, one day he didn't take off. Then she veered into, uh, I'm using this in big air quotes, theatrical films. Uh, one in 2004 with something called Raising Genius, uh, starring Justin Long, Ed Begley Jr., and Stephen Root. Mm. Um, and Megan Kavanaugh, uh, Trudy from Home Improvement. Okay, hang on. I'm sorry. I'm putting a bunch of stuff together right now. But, okay, Lion King 2, Simba's Pride, which uh, which Linda Voorhees worked on, uh, includes Andy Dick in its cast. Stephen Root, also on news radio, as well as Andy Dick. Like, she, has she worked with all of the main cast members of news radio? The only one left is Joe Rogan. She, has she been writes on every episode of the J- J- Joe Rogan experience. <laughs> well, th- that'll She's keep you busy. She's out there doing D- um, DM- DMT, DRT, what are the, what's that? D- it's it's DMT. D- don't DMT. ask me how I know. Yeah. Well, it's easy to it's easy to write every episode of his podcast though because you're mainly just control Ving. Wow, man, that's crazy! Over and over again. <laughs> Boom, what? roasted. Oh. <laughs> uh, and then she wrote this in 2007. Wrote and directed this. Uh, as far as director, she wrote and directed Raising Genius, and then uh, wrote and directed California Dreaming, and has a, a smattering of other small things that she's done. Um, let's talk about the cast, and then I want to mention producers real quick. Yeah, uh, cast. We've got uh, our main family, which is Dave Foley uh, from Kids in the Hall. We got Leah Thompson uh, from Back to the Future. Woo! The son and daughter are played by Lindsay Seam and uh, who is the other one? David Callis. Uh, conspicuous silence. Omaha. Well, okay. This is okay. I'm just gonna start to go in this now. They they are Omaha uh, actors. They mm. they are from the local scene. Mm. Uh, filling out the rest of the cast, um, the daughter, who the character name is Cookie, 
Uh, I got a question about these character names. I I, I, I do too. <laughs> Cookie, the daughter, uh, her boyfriend um, is her boyfriend's parents, who for some reason play a bigger part than the boyfriend in this movie. Why? Uh, Why so many? <laughs> are played by Vicky Lewis and Woo. Ethan Phillips, who we've seen Woo. on this podcast before. Uh, he was in Jungle to Jungle, I want to say. For richer or poorer, I'm sorry. For richer or poorer. Okay, Ethan Phillips. Who else we got to mention? Oh, yes, that's right. Patricia Richardson is playing Woo! the aunt to uh, uh, the the daughter and son, I guess. Uh, the aunt. Yeah. She's playing Dave Foley's sister. Yes, exactly. Yes. Uh, and then who else? Is there anyone else worth mentioning? Um, not out of the uh, cast, but once we get into it, I'll, I'll mention a few people. So I yeah. want to mention, uh, okay, that they were Omaha actors because yeah. I want to go into the producers here. And okay. There's a producer here called Patricia Payne, P-A-Y-N-E. And I, as soon as I saw that oh, come no. up on the screen and realized that this was an Omaha movie, oh, I was Alexander. thinking, I was that's exactly where my mind went. And so I went through watching this whole movie without having done the research because I wanted to, you know, uh, everything in its due time. Mm-hmm. So I didn't get to Patricia Payne till after this movie, after I finished watching the movie. And... I went through this whole thing thinking, oh, this is some sort of extension of trying to keep the Omaha film scene alive through somewhat not big productions, but mid to low range productions, uh, you know, bringing actors here and employing local actors. And like because the Omaha film scene, especially at this time, was, you know, a pretty robust thing. Yeah, Um, there's a lot. In fact, there's a lot of uh, crossover. One of the cast that I didn't mention um, was, oh, Lord, uh, Delany Driscoll. She only has one line in this at the very beginning, but she has a big part in election, which is oh. also why my brain was like, oh, okay, so there's there's clearly Alexander Payne crossover here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the uh, House of Pain. My research turns out there's, there's no Alexander Payne connection at all. Oh. <laughs> Okay, so just there happen to be there happen to be a couple of Omaha pains. Yeah, yeah, but you can see where I would draw that conclusion. Okay, there's uh, uh, overlapping locations. There's overlapping cast. There's uh, you know it takes place in an RV, uh, yeah. which is a big part of uh, about Schmidt. There's a little bit of uh, potential travel, which is a little bit of the Nebraska. Like there are elements here where I'm like, this is there. There's clearly something going on and it, it led me to make a decision but i'm gonna hold back on that for a second <laughs> i love that you were you were thinking something like uh what uh, you know th- this movie this movie is getting made and patricia payne calls you know dials her phone and goes alexander it's your sister patricia payne you know that new <laughs> mode of transportation that serves as kind of a framing device for the plot of the film you've been looking for and then etc oh etc et how many times yeah. have i made that joke in the course of our podcast <laughs> <laughs> but not quite that way before. No, no. It, it, each one is a jewel. Um, yeah, this movie, though, um, not a jewel, I think. Not, not a jewel. No. Uh, so here, okay, I, I mentioned the Alexander Payne connection because I need to put listeners into my frame of mind while watching this. <laughs> I started it, and it's clearly, it's not quite digital or, or it is i think it is digital but it's like yeah. very early high resolution digital yeah. so like if yeah. you watched uh you know 
I'm going to make a reference that you're going to roll your eyes at. But if you watched like um, maybe a, a season five, maybe season five episode of Mythbusters. <laughs> I'm not rolling my eyes. I'm just, I'm just or, enjoying or my your friends. enthusiasm. There yeah, are a few shows that like started in early digital and then bridged the gap <laughs> into like full HD. And so there's a couple like mid seasons that are like unwatchable due to their, their image quality. Yes, this is true. This is very true. So this is like a high, it's like a 1080p image, but it's on a very early camera capturing it. So my thought was, this is going to distract me and, and make it feel like lower quality than I want it to. Since we're already in the Alexander Payneverse, again, this is before I, I realized that we weren't, <laughs> I I made the decision... I'm going to desaturate my television and watch this in black and white. <laughs> I mean, I when you texted me that you were doing that, I was already I was already like seven hours into the film and I, I only had like I only had like four and a half hours left and I couldn't figure out how to get Tubi to go in black and white, let alone get my laptop to go into black and white. But I yeah. feel like maybe that that probably would have helped. I mean well, maybe it didn't, because you seem to have the same read on the movie that I do. Well, I I, I think I have the same read on it, but my experience getting there, I think, is very weird. Because at a certain point, the black and white, and assuming it was part of the Alexander Payne world, I was thinking, like, oh, this is setting up... You know some really layered characterizations. Oh, oh, <laughs> this is, this fool's is gold. Like, we're we're going to be you know slowly unraveling these characters and their problems over the course of this thing, and it might you know I, I realize it wasn't Alexander Payne, but we might end up you know coming to some realization about <laughs> the state of man. You know I don't know uh, by yeah. the end of this thing. And, yeah, there is uh, some sort of catharsis, any sort of right. catharsis, keeping it. In you know, it, keeping it in color, I think would have completely uh, made me avoid that that thought process. So I, I feel like extra duped by this movie. <laughs> <laughs> I I guess the other problem that would be there with watching it in black and white is that in in full you know beautiful glorious Technicolor, uh, this movie, as I've said, was really pretty depressing to me. Seeing it in black and white. Would I? I don't know. Like that would have. I. I think I would have been reaching for the Prozac at that point. It's. It's pretty. Uh, which, uh, which I don't think we've said. But at this point, I feel like bears explicit uh, acknowledgement. This is a comedy. Yes. This not, is a f- not something to depress us. There, there are there are things in the script that have the general shape and form of jokes. <laughs> <laughs> and scenes are constructed in such a way that I am led to believe our, the intention was that we would laugh. Although, oh God, we do not. Um, yes. Okay. What else? Uh, give me some of your personal reflections, because I, I don't. I don't even think we can go through this beat by beat. I, I mean, I think it'll. I, I don't know. I think we should. I think we'll 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 get kind of the setup going for it, but then eventually this movie becomes the same thing. So I think we'll we'll start with some beats, and the beatings will continue until morale improves, basically. But <laughs> okay. In terms of my personal reflections, my I mean, similar to Crazy on the Outside, my big takeaway from a lot of this was just it kind of hurts me to see Dave Foley and Leah Thompson and Patricia Richardson, who I like so much. 
be, being so poorly served by this yeah. movie. And it also hurts me to see Leah Thompson really f- just acting. Like, really, like, yeah, taking this part seriously and putting her whole self into this part. The, the character who Leah Thompson plays, Ginger Gaynor, who is arguably the protagonist of the movie, is, like, a really um, unpleasant person. Not a fun person to follow around. She is very judgmental. She is very kind of just casually mean to everyone around her, uh, classist and controlling and and verbally abusive to everyone and seems to be suffering so, from some pretty deep depression. It's so weird. I didn't pick up on that until about halfway through the movie. I, I Yeah, it, it ramps up. You're sort of like the frog getting boiled alive in the pot. It just, it, well, it, it goes up and up. This is why I, I thought that there was something else going on with it because... She is like the. Prefer- I, I I'm glad you mentioned it because it was a big note of mine in in my personal reflections, which is the cast are doing everything they can with what they're given. Yes, like at no point is it the is it their fault uh, yeah. that this turns out this way, and I I there's enough kind of floating around in the script. Maybe it's just because it's elevated by the cast from nothing where I thought, oh, okay, this is this could potentially be some sort of, you know, about Schmidt type of journey for her. Mm -hmm. Uh, Yes. If maybe a different director was handling it or, you know, another writer had come in to, you know, scrap a 15 minute alarm house alarm joke. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Boy, the 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 pacing of this movie really makes you appreciate the pacing of every other movie you've watched. Every, uh, <laughs> every other movie that has the sense to be like, okay, well, we've yeah. we've been in this conversation long enough. We've been doing this comedy bit long enough. Now we're going to move on and show you a different thing. <laughs> this is like Steve McQueen uh, uh, hunger level of sitting and just watching something happen before your eyes. Uh, just, Yeah. Long, uncut sequences of gobbledygook. They're, they're uncut, but they are not gems, folks. Uh, <laughs> well, yeah, this, this, in watching this, I got the sense that, I don't know, I talked about this last week, I'm going to talk about it this week. I worked at a, a little production company, I made the same mistake last week, I interned, I was not paid, I interned at a little production <laughs> company that made indie films uh, about 10 or 12 years ago. And we would get these scripts that would be sent to us like, oh, you know, do you guys want to put some funding towards this X big name actor is attached to this? And I would read the script and be like, this is fucking trash. Why is like, why is the guy from Dexter attached to play the lead in this in this crappy movie? <laughs> like and and some of them got made like and and I don't really understand. They got made and they got horrible reviews and no one heard about them because they were bad. And I just don't know. Is it like. Is, is there just something about being a somewhat successful actor where you get a script and you just like I, the act one actor sees something in it and says like, yeah, sure, I'll do that. And then it just and then that just begets other actors being like, oh, this one's doing it now. Oh, Leah Thompson's going to be in this. Yeah, sure. I'll, I'll do this movie. And then well, and then. Yeah, I have a lot of speculation about that. And I'm sure there's no one size fits all answer, but. For something like getting Michael C. Hall attached to something, like I would imagine during his like Dexter days, um, where 
you know, he he could still potentially be an up and comer. He gets a script that might not be good, which means that there is pro, especially a first time you know filmmaker, uh, is going to bow to the you know changes that their star is going to want to make. So they might have a little bit more control over doing something. Yeah, uh, and might be able to like bring on their own producer at a certain point and like kind of take control of the property and develop it for themselves. Uh, I would imagine for something like California Dreaming, <laughs> you, I mean, let's be honest. This is not a, a criticism of any of the actors. You know, we all no. know that the actor's life is a business and there's ebbs mm-hmm. and flows. And yes, you know, in two thousand seven, no one in this movie you know, had a major thing going on for them. So, and, and in, in 2007, many people in this movie potentially had a lot of money sunk into the California real estate market, which was not doing great at that point in time. So they might've needed every job they could get. (laughs) Well, so, you know, I would, yeah, exactly. It's like, how do I, you know, I do, I have to do three projects this year to make, you know, my end of, you know, the, the bread for the household. Uh, so, like okay, cool. One week in Omaha to do this one movie, you know, pays you know, uh, one tenth of my year. I'll do that. I eat a couple good steaks. Uh, you know, make a lot of jokes about a house alarm that is continuing to blare loudly. Yeah, that's that's how I'll keep a roof over my head. Um. Well, okay. So look, do do we want to just like start kind of uh, like kind of get the setup of who the characters are and 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 how this <sighs> thing gets on the road, and then yeah. like once. Once we've got once we've got the groundwork laid, once we've built the foundation, I don't know if that's really an apt metaphor since this is about RVs. Once we've got the chassis and the wheels on, then you know we don't really have to invest in building the rest of the RV because we can just kind of jump around to where their journeys take them. It's not um, like we're gonna go anywhere outside of Omaha anyway, so let's fucking do this. Exactly, exactly. So. You've got this family, the Gaynor family, and the movie starts with them. They have just test-driven their RV that they're going to take on their cross-country road trip to Doheny Beach, California, a location that means a whole lot to Leah Thompson, uh, Ginger Gaynor. We're probably going to keep calling her Leah Thompson the entire time, so get get ready for that, folks. Uh <laughs> This location, Doheny Beach, means so much to her. She had the perfect summer there when she was a teenager. She has this postcard from Doheny Beach that she keeps referring back to, and she has booked them uh, eight nights at a a seaside RV park in Doheny Beach, and they're going to go there. And she is the only one who wants to go. Okay, Uh, I want to pause there real quick, because I want to talk about this part of it. Yes. Um, Doheny Beach. Doheny Beach. Why there? For why? <laughs> for, for for one thing, is it a real place? I didn't Google this because I didn't want to think it's, about it. Okay, it's like south of Newport Beach, uh, down by like Ugh. you know, uh, just kind of from Costa Mesa, you know, to the coast. Oh, awesome, so. awesome! <laughs> Say hi to Nixon on your way into town. Sure. <laughs> uh, but why? Like, there's so many other famous beaches in California why Doheny Beach I that yeah. part I don't understand yeah. but I guess that's neither here nor there I mean whether it's Doheny Beach a fake beach or a real beach uh or a, a famous beach um, life's a beach you know the thing wait shit life's the, a highway I'm sorry go on <laughs> See, the, this is what it would be like if Alf was in the movie land and imagine how much better it would be <laughs> I, I can't I don't I don't I don't have the capacity the the part of this that bothers me in retrospect is that yeah. 
there's no real weight given, like narrative weight given to her experience in Doheny Beach when she was a kid. Like yes. she says it very early on, and from there it's really taken as granted that she had a special moment and that she's just insistent that they're all going. Yes. But there's no emotional hook into her memory. There's no photo. She like has a postcard on the side of the fridge, but there's no photograph. There's no journal. There's no flashback. There's no nothing outside of like two lines saying, I had such a great time there when I was a girl. Yeah. It's, it is the same way that in the movie Chinatown, Jack Nicholson keeps alluding to something horrible that happened in Chinatown back when he was a cop, but he never really says what it is. The difference is that in that movie, you don't really need to know the context because the emotion of it is clear yeah. enough. Here, she keeps talking about it, but we never know what happened. Was it a romance? At one point, Dave Foley alludes to the fact that she, that it was like some, some teenage romance or something happened there like we don't know why it means so much to her right yeah it's kind of like i don't know i got big grease vibes from it <laughs> uh in, in that in that it reminded you of the greased lightning video on home improvement and oh that God. it was very uncomfortable to watch and felt like it took forever <laughs> um Anyway, sorry, continue with uh, the setup here. I, I just wanted to flag this, like, the the main conceit of the whole film is flimsy to begin with, but yes. easily fixable, I feel like. Yes. So she's dead set on going to Doheny Beach. Her husband, Stu, played by Dave Foley uh, from News Radio and also A Bug's Life, uh, is just, he's very much a kind of beaten down uh nerd type who is just constantly receiving abuse and being put upon primarily by ginger but also by kind of everyone else in his life and he's yep you know i we're gonna go to doheny beach okay honey that's what you want uh her kids uh uh her her kids milo her her son who loves his uh nintendo ds and her daughter her teenage daughter cookie uh, do not want to go to Doheny Beach. They really want to go to Branson, Missouri, because apparently the family, indeed everyone in Omaha, all goes to Branson, Missouri every summer. These kids yep. are crazy for Branson. Um, I want to okay. Let's. I'm gonna. I'm gonna. Okay, we're, we're both stopping. We're both making a yep. detour for okay, Branson. Okay, you make your point first. Yep. Uh, uh, so this is two movies in a row featuring Patricia Richardson, in which. Branson, Missouri is kind of like a hallowed <laughs> ground. It's like a, yeah. a a goal. It's it's a it's a paradise that everyone <laughs> is striving to achieve. Like at least you know in uh, in in Viva Lost Nowhere, they actually make it to Branson at the end, and that's how it's a happy ending. I guess maybe this movie is so depressing because the the promised land of Branson is not something they're able to achieve. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I, Branson is. I mean, it's it's the regional. Vegas, you know, like every Ugh. I feel like there there are like maybe five to ten big places across the U.S. that are regional draws for people. So, like, mm -hmm. if you're in Indiana, Michigan, Ohio, uh, maybe Kentucky, you're going to go to uh, uh, Cedar Point every year. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. If you are in Kansas, you're in Oklahoma, you're in Missouri, uh, apparently it, Nebraska, you're going to be going to Branson every year. <laughs> mm, yeah, yeah. Uh, and, you know, so and then you know, Vegas, uh, clearly the West Coast, you know, there's all these, these these little 
regional draws. So uh, you know, if you're if you're in Oregon, you're going to go to the Oregon Shakespeare Festival in Ashland every year. I'm I'm now starting to realize maybe that was more specific to my family, but either way, that was our <laughs> that was our personal Branson. There you go. Um, so uh, yeah, that that was my thought on on Branson. Uh, I I didn't pick up on the fact that it's been two movies. <laughs> In a row, which is funny, which makes me want to investigate which movie we're watching next to make sure I can uh, not miss any Branson content. Uh, I, I think that uh, I think it might be something in Patricia Richardson's contract that like coming off of Home Improvement was like, I'm not going to be in any movie that does not in some way promote the city of Branson, Missouri. <laughs> <laughs> um, OK, second, I want to mention, uh, have you noticed <laughs> in the movies we've watched for this show, we're kind of. Going through an evolution of the Game Boy. <laughs> <laughs> I actually I, uh, proce- proceed. I actually don't. I have not noticed the evolution of the Game oh. Boy. I was too busy with Branson stuff. Well, in Little Bigfoot Two, they're playing like <sighs> the previous version of the Game Boy. Yeah. <laughs> Shit, you're right. Now he's playing a DS. Yeah. Uh, at some point, you know what was what was between. Well, I guess we haven't seen it in advance yet. No, uh, we haven't seen it. Yeah, I'm trying to did think. Did it go there... from DS to Wii? Or uh, DS to uh, uh, the uh, Switch? Switch? Maybe it did because I think they, yeah, I think they kind of, they just tried to milk extra life out of the DS for a long time and then went over to Switch. Yes, we have to, whatever movie we finish on has to have the most up-to-date Nintendo handheld, and it also has (laughs) to involve Branson, Missouri, if not as a location, then at least as a concept. All right, I've got the I got our our Venn diagram. I'm going to look for that that center overlapping thing here. Um, cool. Uh, uh, okay, continue. All right. Okay. Uh, while we're at it, I want to just I want to keep I want to actually not continue. I want to continue to pause. Uh, I mentioned their daughter, whose name is Cookie. Um, their daughter's <laughs> name is Cookie, and you see the thing about that is that they named their daughter Cookie. They um you know that that that. Leah Thompson presumably gave birth to this human being and looked upon her and said, your name's going to be Cookie. I'm going to name you Cookie. No, not not a nickname, Doctor. No, put on the birth certificate that her name is well, Cookie. We, Why? We don't have any evidence that it's not a nickname. Well, I wish we did. These characters say each other's <laughs> names a lot, by the way. They're constantly saying, you know, oh, Ginger this, or oh, Milo, come with me, or yeah. oh, Cookie, don't run out of the RV for the fourth time. It, uh, it is one one yell short of an anime where they're screaming each other's names. <laughs> I wish this movie had been anime. I would have enjoyed that more, even as someone who's not a fan of anime. <laughs> I, I, I don't wish it was anime, but I do wish it just spiced it up by them yelling each other's names whenever they said them. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. Uh, Neon Genesis, California Dreaming. Um, so... Uh, I don't know. Just every time they said Cookie, mind you, also then uh, Vicky Lewis, the uh, who plays the father of Cookie's boyfriend, her mother? name is Teensy. That mother. I'm sorry. Again, this movie pickled my brain. <laughs> there's not even a jar for that. I I don't. I, yeah, there's not <laughs> because my because my my skull is the pickle jar now that uh, <laughs> that has made it that. Teensy is the name of another character in this, and they keep saying Teensy and Cookie, and I just. I mean, I'm already just having enough problems with the movie, and then I have to keep keep hearing this goddamn baby talk when characters are trying to refer to each other, and uh, and it's hard for me. Um, uh, I think we should. I, I think it's it's long enough into our podcasting careers that we should have pet names for each other. So, who, which one of us is going to be Teensy, and when, which one of us is going to be Cookie? Oh man, I mean, I guess 
I, I, do, you, do you have a preference either way? I mean, I like cookies. Uh, um, I'll go with, I'll be teensy. You'll be teensy and I'll be cookie? Okay, great. Uh, well, Alf, <laughs> hit your fucking gavel. I'm not as happy about this one. <laughs> Again, the, the, the proper nicknames for us are, is Parameter for you and Tilly for me, but that's fine. Yeah, Never right. mind. We were already committed. <laughs> um, so they... Uh, so okay, the, the, so the family is going to go on this trip. Although the only one who really wants to go is Ginger, and they've test driven the RV. Ginger's trying to get Cookie to wear uh, more appropriate clothing that she's bought for her, but Cookie is really opposed to that. Indeed, she is opposed to everything that her mom and family want to do because she's at a difficult age. She's fifteen. She's fifteen, and and you know, there's ways to write an obstinate teenager in a script that are not super abrasive and make you hate that character and this uh movie does not follow those methods <laughs> um okay yeah i so all right, well we're talking about the movie i might as well just mention it yeah. i don't there's not anything inherently wrong with that to me uh the yeah. way she's written necess- the character being obstinate and kind of you know fuck you mom um it's just generally that this film doesn't quite know what it wants to be yeah. Uh, so as they're well, you're, you're gonna get get to it, but uh, as they're trying to get on the road, there's this <laughs> alarm situation. We'll talk about it in a second, and it it quickly becomes like, oh, okay, we can't turn the house alarm off, and a police officer is coming and giving me a ticket for uh, noise pollution or whatever, disturbing the peace. Um, and I thought, oh, okay, this is going to be a everything goes wrong sort of movie. Mm-hmm. But then it doesn't. They get on the road, and then it's as you're kind of mentioning the the daughter here, and even the son to a degree. I thought, oh, this is going to be a, a dysfunctional family movie. Yeah, and it kind of is, but it, none of the like major emotions that come with that are ever really dealt with in a serious way. Or so, like it, it just kind of falls in the middle of things happen and Mm -hmm. I don't know exactly how to feel about any of them except bored and, and slightly irritated. Yeah. Yeah. Put off. I would say, I I think that the, because the movie has, you know, it pretty much, you know, we, we get, we get, them having test driven the RV, we get a quick shot of Leah Thompson at work where, you know, she works as a real estate agent and is having, you know, she's just recently been outshone by another saleswoman who's who's sold a house ahead of her. And then it's the following morning and they're trying to get everything packed up so they can get on the road to Doheny Beach and they've all gotten up early. But just the big issue is that they've got the RV packed, but uh, in trying to turn in trying to set the alarm on the house... Dave Foley has instead <laughs> triggered the burglar alarm, which just keeps going off and keeps going off. And there's th- this for me was when I realized, oh god, I'm I'm really in for it because the the Jeremy, deal I is I'm having a hard time even paying attention to you describing this. I I think that has more to do with me. I mean, you traditionally have a hard time paying attention to to what I'm saying. It's just that now there's not anything else you can be looking up online about this movie because I know I, it's playing in the background too. So, oh, buddy, and it's on a different scene than what you're describing, and my brain is being scrambled in real time. I, look, the just the, the there is the first scene of this is it's like ten or fifteen minutes of just. Dave Foley messing with the the keypad on the alarm. The alarm is going boop, 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 
really loudly again and again, very abrasive noise. And it's just a lot of people well, like <laughs> the family yelling back to him, like, dad, that's really annoying. Oh, I, I think I've got it, honey. I think I've got it. Boop, boop. Just so dad, you... turn off the alarm. No, no, no. Just one more thing. Boop. We're going to be just late so for we our know. trip, dad. We have to go. We have to go. Boop, boop. I've almost got we... it, honey. I've almost got it. Just that, again and we, again. We have to know that this is a comedy, too, so it doesn't just do... It goes... The, the scene is going on for a very long time with a very annoying noise in the background and the daughter screaming about how she needs to call child services because their their parents are so awful. And, and Leah Thompson is harping on Dave Foley about how, like, you've screwed everything up and we need to get going. We're going to be late for Doheny Beach, California. She also... I also found myself wishing I had started a California count for this movie because they say the word California so much. <laughs> they always are saying, where are you going? We're going to Doheny Beach, California. We have to get on the road to Doheny Beach, California. Oh, man, it's going to take us 32 hours to get to Doheny Beach, California. Did you did you pick up on the, uh, the, the, the classic uh, recurring joke where everyone from Omaha goes, well, have fun in Doohickey Beach, California. It was great. It was really good. I chortled every time. It would have sounded a lot better coming out of Alf's mouth. Um, <laughs> but this is... I honestly, I like every scene of the RV driving around the freeway interchanges outside Omaha. There's a lot of them uh, where there's just ADR'd dialogue of them complaining at each other and harping on how long it's taking to get on the road. I just was picturing Alf rapping throughout that. And you know what? It brought it brought a twinkle to my eye. I, I, uh, I enjoyed that. Dear God, uh, this movie broke you. No, it truly did. It, tr- it truly did. To the point that I'm worried that I'm not going to be able to turn this into a decent podcast. But <laughs> they... All right, I, I have I have something I want to pull out here, which is yes. uh, in this early these early scenes of them trying to get on the road, the cops there, the uh, person from the uh, security system is there to shut off the alarm. Um, there's just a number of people coming in and out, and she's telling them, you know, where they're trying to get to, as you said. Uh, what Where was it again? They're, uh, they're, it's, I think it's uh, Doohickey Beach, California. Oh, yes. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, someone here says uh, Nebraska rest stop, or they say that Nebraska has the best rest stops in the world, in the country. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And do they? I have. Now, listen. Okay. Real talk here. I, oh, you know what? I mean, listen, I'm going to do some Foley work here so you can hear. Dave this Foley is me. work? This, this is me. This- this whole movie's fully work. <laughs> Good one. This Thank is me. You. The sound of me putting my hat on backwards. Uh oh. And I'm gonna. I'm turning my chair around. Oh shit! He really is, guys. <laughs> and okay. So, listen. I don't call myself an aficionado of many things. Hmm. But I am a lover of cross country road tripping. Yeah. Yep. This we know. I've been to most states in this country wow. by car. Wow. Uh, I think I have a thing or two to say about the rest stops. <laughs> okay. All right. Put an hour on the clock, everybody. <laughs> Landon's rest area corner. Nebraska does not have the best rest stops in the world, in the country. Uh, uh, I- does Oregon? Mm, eh? I've only been to one, so I can't. I don't feel like that's a good enough sample size. All right, I'm losing interest, but go on. Colorado mm. is possibly the best rest stop state in the the union. 
Really? Really? What yes. what make what makes them so great? Well, most of them are very clean, but they're all like scenic stops. Mm. I was okay, and there there's if someone can tell me where this place is, I'm pretty sure this is a magical little <laughs> moment in life where <laughs> I was on a very difficult road trip, emotionally difficult road trip. Mm-hmm. And this was day two. Like I was exhausted from my first day of driving uh, both both physically and and emotionally it took you so long to get the alarm set before you left and it was all this difficulty (laughs) personal things i'm not going to get into but i stayed in denver and i started driving the next day and i got about 25 or so minute 20 25 minutes uh west of denver on uh i-80 and i pull off to the this is uh where it's very cliffy there's lots of rivers going through very green Mm -hmm. um that that kind of beautiful section of colorado and i pull off uh uh, because it says there's a rest stop here so i i pull off i do one of those like horseshoe ones where it goes all the way around and i go underneath the the uh highway uh, to continue to the rest stop and yeah I keep driving. I'm like, where the fuck is this thing? You know, I'm kind of driving parallel to the the highway, and eventually I see a house, and I'm like, what? Oops, I <laughs> made a wrong turn. I missed the rest stop somewhere, and I I pull up and realize that the house is the rest stop. What? I feel like I went through some sort of magical portal because I get out <laughs> and. I walk up to the house and, you know, seeing things that say restrooms this way, you know. The, but th- this is this is such a setup for a horror movie. Like, the serial killer is finally not, figured though. out. This puts up a rest stop sign outside his house. <laughs> there, there's This is, like, uh, very early in the day. So, like, it's not nighttime. It's not, there's nothing at all scary about this. And I get out. Walk up, and this house has a porch on the front, and there's this <laughs> sweet old lady sitting there waiting. <laughs> You're, and she, it's a bit. I think he's doing a bit, guys. I'm not doing a bit. I swear this, to God, I'm not doing this a bit. Weeks of bit. She invites me in, and she's like, "Would you like some coffee?" And I'm like, again, super emotional from the day before. And I'm like, I would love a cup of coffee. She goes and makes me a cup of coffee, and as she's doing that, she's like, would you mind please signing my guest book? Uh, I like to have all of the, the travelers that come through here um, sign that and just, you know, write the date and, and you know, anything you want to say about your trip. And I'm like, okay. And so I, I pull open this, like, really nicely constructed handmade book, and I, you know, write something in it. I don't remember what it was at this point. And she brings me my coffee over and she's like, so just enjoy yourself. You know, there's like, there was a little shop with postcards and stuff. She's like, or, you know, you can go drink your, uh, your coffee out back. A lot of people like to look at the water and I'm like, okay. And I walk out back and there's this like Zen, like bubbling Creek going behind this rest stop. <laughs> <laughs> and I sat there for like 15 minutes, sipping this hot coffee Watching and listening to the these the simpering bubbling of this creek, and I'm just like, I didn't know I needed this, but this is a magical <laughs> salve for this you know six week emotional road trip that I've been on. 
but then but then when you went into the bathroom it was just fucking disgusting shit everywhere no toilet paper floor is wet there's no more soap left there's swastikas carved into the mirror Um, amazing everything else was pristine except the actual bathroom here's the thing though i everything about it was just magical from top to bottom and i get back in my car and i start driving away thinking oh my god that you know, I almost said save my life, but didn't save my life. It was just like, it was, a, it was yeah. something I needed immensely in that moment. I've never been able to, f- I, and I, I've i driven through that stretch multiple times since then. I've never been able to find that place again. I've looked I, on Google Maps, Google Earth. I've, you know, driven by it, uh, you know, on I-80 going through there again. Never found it again. I, I mean, are you sure you didn't just get lost and wander into a random friendly lady's house? <laughs> the, I mean, she's just like, well, I, I mean, I'm, this isn't a highway rest stop, but I'm happy to have the company. Uh, would you like some? Would you like some coffee? <laughs> Your Colorado accent is spot on. They they all sound kind of like John Lovitz out there, even the women. Um, <laughs> <laughs> okay, so you you kind of twilight zone. It was like a nice twilight zone. It was. It, it was, was the fine yes. light zone. It was a twilight zone. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so so be so you have this is this is concrete proof that uh, California Dreamin' is inaccurate. Uh, oh, you know Nebraska <laughs> does back. not have yeah. the best uh, highway rest stops. Uh, thank you for coming to my TED Talk. I will uh, be taking questions at the door. <laughs> I hope you served coffee at this TED Talk. Um, so, okay, that, that is fascinating. And it's actually, the story landed just old is more interesting than the movie. So honestly, we could end it here. But so they they are trying, they, you know, have the whole issue with the alarm going off. The cop arrives and writes them a noise complaint. Then finally, a security guard from the alarm company shows up and is able to get the alarm fixed until, oops, the alarm goes off again, and she comes back and fixes it again. The um, I just want to quickly uh, take a, a detour to mention that the uh, security guard from the alarm company is played by above-ground swimming pool Elizabeth Moss. That's a cool thing. Uh, so happy for her. Uh, hope that, hope that she's... Actor. Hoping that she's doing well after her uh, breakup from above ground swimming pool, Fred Armisen. Um, so finally, uh, finally, the we are spared from the alarm gag, and you know, at this point, it's about the three hour mark of the movie when they finally get going, <laughs> and we get uh, a lot of long shots of this RV driving around the freeways of Omaha. Uh, Leah Thompson is really upset and grousing to Dave Foley about how that cop was judging her because they're going to Doheny Beach, California instead of going to Branson because, you know, uh, I, she's upset about this. She's upset about everything. She's mad at Dave Foley for a million reasons. Okay. Yes. So I, here, here's where I got to hook in with uh, where I was feeling misled mm-hmm. is to me, her that situation was like something I could relate to where it's like, People, you know, she has dreams beyond, you know, this small suburb of Omaha and everyone around her is just like, no, why would you ever want to leave our bubble? Mm -hmm. And that's where I'm like, oh, okay, so I can get on board with with Leah Thompson in this movie. She's going to feel trapped and that's going to, you know, slowly crush her to death throughout this movie until she has a breaking point and all these things keep going wrong. But that. I mean, it kind of is a through line, but it unravels in the weirdest way. 
Yeah. Yeah. It it definitely you get the sense at the beginning that they're trying to create sort of this heightened reality that's a, you know, critique of or or parody of stifling midwestern uh suburbia where where everyone is conforming and she's trying to break loose and everything and but yeah, that just gets that that concept just kind of gets lost, and the movie just becomes a series of of problems and little little uh, hurdles they have to clear, where she just gets angry and complains and yells at everyone. Yeah, um, I think that's that's where I go awry. Is I was assuming for way too long of this movie that it was some sort of satire or or some sort of commentary on something or, or no, some sort just, of anything. It's just what's happening in front of your eyes is. A cigar. It's just a cigar is a cigar in this. Yes, yes. Uh, it, it is a pipe. Um, so they they hear they start hearing noises from inside the bathroom of the RV. Everyone starts freaking out. Oh no, there must be a squirrel or something in there. They pull over, and uh, oh, it turns out it's actually Cookie's boyfriend Kevin, who is an idiot and who dresses like a two thousand seven white kid trying to be a gangster basically he's got like an upside down visor on and really baggy pants with some kind of chain that's dragging on the ground um uh so they they pull over thinking that it's an animal fling open the door dave foley's got a golf club ready and instead kevin goes running out screaming and runs into a cornfield and promptly gets lost in the cornfield and uh then there's, you know, fresh off of 15 minutes of the alarm system gag, there's 15 minutes of Kevin lost in the corn and Dave Foley and Milo standing at the edge of the cornfield yelling for him, saying, come towards my voice, and Kevin being lost in the corn and not being able to figure out where they are, and and Dave Foley and Milo yelling at him to come towards the sound of their voice, and Kevin not being able to find them, and Dave Foley and Milo yelling for Kevin to come towards their voice. Um, and meanwhile, uh, Leah Thompson is harping on uh, is harping on Cookie for having such a a trashy, low-class, stupid boyfriend, and Cookie is yelling at Leah Thompson for being uh, a bad mom. And I, this was a moment at this point. The 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 player thing, the 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 progress tracker said we were 22 minutes into the movie, and the crushing sense of defeat that I felt when I realized that in one hour's time I would still be watching this movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, similar. They but so they get they they finally are able to get Kevin out of the the corn and now they turn around and go back into Omaha cuz they have to drop him off at their parents' house and we as they're getting into Kevin's neighborhood uh, we start getting the kind of royalty-free mischievous music that's like and I'm just like, "Oh god, I am not I am not ready for whatever this movie's serving up next. Anything that merits this level of music is in a movie like this is not going to make me happy. Uh, yeah. Okay. I, I mean, I don't even know where to comment on where we are with, <laughs> with this. I will say, okay, you mentioned, um, you mentioned the, the shots of them leaving Omaha, uh, before the whole cornfield fiasco. Yeah. Um, <laughs> she's talking about escaping uh Omaha escaping their life their their neighborhood and all that stuff when they're getting on the on ramp uh 
<laughs> they drive by a Whole Foods. And immediately in my head, I was just like, if you think you're going to get to California and see anything different than that, <laughs> you've got another thing coming. I, I, I know. I know. It's almost, I don't know. And maybe it's just because I, A, live in California and B, grew up going to California somewhat regularly that whenever I hear people aggressively romanticizing California and treating it as this exotic place, I'm kind of like, I mean, it's, it's a lot of freeways and the, the weather's kind of <laughs> nice. Uh, you got, you got some outlet malls. Uh, I don't know. You, you, you show, you show me a suburban neighborhood in almost any state on a sunny day. I will mistake it for a neighborhood in California. If you, if you, <laughs> if you show me the right part of Charleston, West Virginia and say, oh yeah, that's, that's in California. I'd be like, yeah, probably. I don't know. Well, kind of <laughs> looks the same. Uh, here's another note I had about, um, just, this is RV behavior. Now we, we established neither of us have done the RV life yet. No, I don't think I will after seeing this. It's still a vehicle in motion. And yeah, with that, like as they're getting underway before they discover, uh, the boyfriend in the bathroom, Leah Thompson (laughs) is serving up drinks to everybody, uh, orange juice for the kids, coffee for Dave and, they're all just in like kitchen glasses. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Which I like I said, I haven't done the RV thing before, but I would have to imagine in a vehicle in motion, open containers probably aren't going to be your safest bet. Probably probably not. Also, just the amount of like walking around that they're doing in the RV. I I I was looking at that and thinking like I feel like that isn't okay to do, right? When you're on the road like cuz if they you have to yeah. come to it I, my, my, like, as a kid, I always thought, like, oh, an RV would be awesome because we could, like, walk around and hang out and stuff when we're driving. But then the reality is, no, everyone kind of has to be sitting down and buckled in because it's really (laughs) unsafe otherwise. It's like an airplane or a train. I mean, like, there's a reason they say when you're sitting down, you should have your seatbelt on. Yeah. Uh, Or you should be sitting down at all times with your seatbelt on unless you have to get up to go to the bathroom or something. Yeah. Yeah, I completely agree with you. It's... The the RV etiquette here is uh, lacking. Don't the, anyone try this at home. These are the two big issues with the movie: is a they're inaccurate about the quality of public restrooms in certain states, and b they're inaccurate about proper RV safety procedures. Folks, you got to do better. Um, <laughs> so they get to they they get to Kevin's house. Uh, all this work is you know all this stuff is being made of like oh, oh it's a it's a meth lab shitty neighborhood oh these are hicks and hillbillies and they're criminals and I like but very clearly the house that they've rented for the shoot is just like a normal nice house upper middle class house that they're just kind of like and they're trying to shoot around the fact that it's nice but even you know they they go they knock on the door his dad who works night shift and is always complaining about having to be awake during the day and how tired he is he comes to the door with a shotgun and is mad and his and kevin's mom played by vicky lewis from news radio is you know she's on parole she's got an ankle monitor because she was selling knockoff handbags and there you know she (sighs) i'm sorry (laughs) What, what what happened I'm just the movie killed you the movie the movie killed me I'm just thinking about this scene and and realizing how this scene is every scene Cookie and her boyfriend are making out at the door before she says goodbye Leah Thompson comes over and is yelling at her for like being gross and don't don't do that he's trash Kevin's parents open the door and 
But then there's this whole drama over, like, Kevin basically breaks up with her because he doesn't want to admit to his parents that he has a girlfriend. And and Cookie gets so upset that she goes running into their house and locks herself in the bathroom. And this is, like, one of the recurring plot points in this movie is they're going to go somewhere and then Cookie starts crying and runs away and they have to chase after her, which is... That's it, it, like that's it, just come on, guys. How many times? It, like, a, it's this whole uh, the teen girl is too emotional, and b, it's like yeah. f- you 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 spent that nickel. Oh, don't, you can't do it that many times. <laughs> but so there's all this stuff of then Dave Foley has. She's to not try the only and, one that does it though, too. I mean, there's a there's a scene later where Leah Thompson does it. True, true, and there's a scene where a dog does it. So much of this movie is people running out of the <laughs> RV and other people chasing them, or occasionally animals running out of the RV. It's just, it's like a chase movie, but not in a fun way like it's a mad, 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 mad world. Uh, instead, it's just making me mad, 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 mad that I'm spending some of the limited number of years <laughs> I have in this world watching the movie. Yeah. Uh so, uh, you know, there's all this stuff with Dave Foley trying to coax her out of the bathroom. Leah Thompson is talking to her, uh, talking to Kevin's parents, who, again, she's both making all these snide remarks about how low class they are and how shitty their house is. But also, it's, again, this is clearly a nice house that they've kind of tried to dress to look a little bit hillbillyish, but you can't hide the fact that this is clearly a spacious kitchen with, like, granite countertops. <laughs> and... Right. Uh, so they, somehow then, by the time they have gotten Cookie out of the bathroom, uh, Kevin's mom, Teensy, has talked her way into getting a ride to her parole officer's office with them in the RV, which, I don't understand why they agree to this, because their whole thing is we have to get right on the road, but... Yeah, I, I, can I stop you? Yeah, stop me, dude. Please stop me. (laughs) Yeah, I, I just feel you getting pulled down the uh, <laughs> the synopsis highway there. Yeah, um, life is a synopsis. Uh, we can never escape. Um, okay. I full disclosure. I have one more note for this movie. Good. Okay. Great. Give me your one more note. I mean, you haven't even mentioned it yet. We haven't even gotten to the Patricia Richardson stuff yet. Oh God. Uh, Jesus Christ. My note is, and maybe this can segue us into that section, um, Leah Thompson calls a dog a pussy, <laughs> which in and of itself is is funny to me. <laughs> you know, okay, Leah Thompson calls a dog a pussy, and at another time, uh, her daughter accuses her of having a titty hard-on for going to Doheny Beach. <laughs> which which now, is... For, for me, it's like, th- there's a, lo- a fair amount of swearing in this movie, and it, again, I'm like, who is this for, then? This isn't a screwball, wacky comedy for the kids. <laughs> this is a, this is a, uh, a, people in the, like, a, a couple, a parents, two parents in the Midwest, who have been so out of touch with, uh, you know, movies for the last couple of years. So, let's say, okay, they're, they, they're parents of uh, five and four-year-old. Boof. So, like, just completely disconnected from adult cinema, and not like adult cinema, but like well, cinema for mature people. You gotta gotta uh, have something to keep you going. And they're like, "Oh my god, let's put the kids to bed early tonight and get a movie from Redbox." <laughs> no, uh, what what are we gonna get? And they no. they like, oh, Leah Thompson, I like her, and <laughs> I'm Matthew McConaughey red- inside the Redbox. Like, no, don't get that movie. No. <laughs> You have such few precious hours as parents of young children. 
that's that's how I see this movie being watched uh, in 2007. Um, uh, where was I going to go with that? I don't. I can't remember. You were going to get us to Patricia Richardson. So she calls the dog a pussy. <laughs> yeah. Well, that that's later. But I mean. <laughs> Well, let's get there. Okay, okay. They've they, the dog they, belongs to Patricia Richardson. The, the dog belongs to Patricia Richardson. In the process of going downtown and dropping Teensy off at her parole officer's hearing, they run into uh, Dave Foley's sister uh, uh, Bonnie, played by Patricia Richardson from TV's Home Improvement. Whoa, 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 what? They, they run into her because uh, Cookie called her. She's like, yes. "I don't want to go on this fucking trip. I'm gonna have uh, Aunt Aunt Patricia Richardson <laughs> come pick me up." Yes, and uh, I won't have to i won't have to deal with this shit like like all like all 15 year old girls she's called her aunt because she is desperate to go to branson missouri with her aunt and grandmother (laughs) rather than go to california or or the alternative rather than just stay in omaha and do some like over the pants stuff with her boyfriend like it's it's amazing (laughs) it's amazing how committed all of the young people in this movie are to going to branson missouri um but they they run into to Patricia Richardson and and their grandmother whose name is Irene and uh it, you know oh the the kids are both saying oh we want to go have pancakes with with grandma and aunt bonnie and it becomes this whole thing of like oh well the kids are hungry that's why everyone's in such a bad mood let's just go and get some food at their house in their neighborhood so okay they go they go there and in the process of driving the RV up to Aunt Bonnie's house her dog runs out into the street and squealing of tires they hit the dog with the RV all right i've got major issues with this mm-hmm. well listen I, I i'm having some big problems in my my neighborhood with unleashed dogs uh-oh. Uh-oh. Uh, so what you're saying so, is it's good when dogs get hit by cars, Landon? Wow. I'm, no, wow. I'm not. I'm saying Patricia Richardson goes hard on, uh, hard on, hey, hey, uh, Leah Thompson for hitting the dog. There is no responsibility that she's taking on her part for, my dog was unleashed, unsupervised, and ran into the street. Yes. Yes. Which uh, is bullshit. Mm-hmm. You... For the very reason that we're witnessing here of a dog getting hit by a car, you should you should leash your dogs. Yeah, uh, agreed, agreed. That's that's a valuable public service announcement coming from this movie. <laughs> no, that's not coming from this movie. It's coming from me. Okay, this movie com- would have us believe that it's the the driver's fault for hitting the dog. I'm saying you got to take responsibility for your animal. Don't just think you are someone who is above a leash because. Uh, I don't know, say you're the guy at the end of my street who thinks, oh, yeah, I'm the type of personality that dogs just realize I'm the alpha and they will obey everything I say, so I don't need a leash. Uh, You need a leash for other people. Well, you know, uh, Kevin in this movie, as we eventually find out, is kind of an alpha who dogs listen to. Uh so so they this this whole segment I I think I'm glad that we're in Patricia Richardson land because this sort of encapsulates I think a lot of stuff about the movie. So Patricia Richardson plays Dave Foley's sister. There's a lot of tension between her and Leah Thompson because Patricia Richardson has raised two perfect kids and Leah Thompson's kids both love Patricia Richardson. How could anyone not? She's amazing. And and how and this, this scene is pretty amazing uh, as far as her performance goes. I mean, yeah, well, because because it's it goes right to her being very well. OK, it goes right to her being very angry at Leah Thompson and a whole lot of stuff coming up about their relationship, how 
Leah Thompson has always been, you know, she's always looked down on, or she's always had snide remarks for Bonnie and the rest of Dave Foley's family and how she's always acted like she's better than everyone and all this and like them hitting the dog with the car and, you know, everyone's crowded around this seemingly dead dog in the street is this is, you know, bringing all of this to light. And she's really going after Leah Thompson and yelling at her about all this. And I'm sitting there kind of like, yeah, Leah Thompson has been really terrible to everyone in this movie. Like she's, (laughs) she's constantly slut shaming her daughter for how she dresses. She's constantly being mean to her husband who is simply, who is doing like, he's trying to make this trip work. He doesn't really want to go to Doheny beach, but he's like telling the kids, no, this is important. We have to do this. He got the RV. He's doing all this driving. He mapped out the whole, like he's trying to make her happy. And she is constantly shitting on him. She's looking down on everybody, like, and just, just casting aspersions on everyone she meets. And so this seems like this really great comeuppance from Patricia Richardson. And, what this fight turns into, and indeed what then kind of all the other fights in the movie turn into, it becomes it splinters off into a series of sub fights where Leah Thompson is now you know, when Dave Foley tries to mediate between his sister and his wife, Leah Thompson is mad at him and saying, I can't believe you're taking her side. And then Patricia Richardson is mad at, at you know, her and Dave Foley's mother because, oh, you're taking Leah Thompson's side. And it's all these people and this is a recurring thing that just like in every other fight in the movie, one person is mad at another person for taking someone else's side and they're really angry about it. And Dave Foley has to constantly <laughs> be saying, I'm not taking sides. I'm just trying to like, ke- like keep you two from screaming at each other in the middle of the yeah. street. It, th- this is the thing. This whole movie really like the main conflict in this movie is just arguments. It is just arguments between people. And it's not like fun arguments between people like curb your enthusiasm or it's always sunny in Philadelphia. These are uncomfortable arguments. Like you are at your friend's house and his parents are fighting and you're just kind of sitting there watching it. Here's the thing with that though, is that I would be, I would be more okay with it if it was uncomfortable. Uh, it it doesn't i mean it's it's more annoying than uncomfortable to me cuz i'm not invested in any of these characters so therefore i'm not uncomfortable with it i i if it had leaned more into the alexander payne side of things like election like uh, about schmidt where you are forced to spend time with an unlikable character and you know having confrontational scenes where it is about the family dynamic and dysfunction, like I would be way on board with that and and want to watch that level of uncomfortableness. What it really amounts to for me in this is just like bickering. It's not even yes. uncomfortable. It's not confrontational. And there are flavors of like hysteria, which is a different <laughs> type of movie, different type of comedy. Yeah. Uh, where, and I, I thought you were going to go into it. What, I loved about Patricia Richardson's it's not her entrance, but it's her like big scene and in creating an obstacle for Leah Thompson is when, when she, I can't even remember exactly what she says, but she's trying to make a point to, to Leah Thompson. And she's like, would you, what, what if I put a gun to mom's head? And she's like, holding her finger like a finger gun to her mother's head and yelling at Leah Thompson about, you know, would you, would you care? Would you have any feelings if I shot mom right in the head? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) It's just like this, this comes out of nowhere. It does not fit the movie. I love Patricia Richardson's gusto with it. 
it, it gave me a hint of like what it could have been in a different light, um, or or of so, what the or of what the movie thinks that it is being most of the time. Yeah, which it only kind of achieves here. Yes, but like Patricia Richardson in that moment is in a different movie than everything else. Like Dave Foley, I think I think Dave Foley is a great example of where this movie fails. Because he's such a great performer. Yeah. And, like, he's not really playing a sad sap in this movie. Like, I did, I never got that from him. Uh, you know, I don't really feel like he's put upon. Uh, there's only until these moments where he does say, as you mentioned, he's not taking sides, that he's kind of, like, put in the middle of, of something uncomfortable. It should be uncomfortable, but it's it's not. And I don't feel like he's spineless, you know? I don't feel like he is avoiding confrontation. It just feels like he's just there. And I mm-hmm. I want it pushed in one direction or another, and I just don't get that. Uh, so it really just turns into this strange spiral of revelations that, oh, Leah Thompson, one of the, the sweetest actresses who ever lived, yeah. is not a good person. I mean, yeah. that's kind of what we're taking away from it. Her character. You know, her character is seen... not a good person. Leah Thompson, yeah, yeah. the actress, is a wonderful person. Well, I haven't <laughs> met her, but I, I'm going to assume she's great. I, I I haven't met her either, but I know someone who uh, did improv, and uh, they had her as a, a guest host for their improv show, and she was like totally cool doing Back to the Future stuff. Oh. And from my understanding, was very, very sweet and, and incredibly gifted. So... You... Um, you heard it here. Even first, though I don't folks. have firsthand, I don't have firsthand knowledge of it. I'm willing to go out and say, yeah, she's a very sweet person. Cl- close enough. This movie is not, rever- th- which again, it's a great performance from her, and that she's going very much against her nature as an actual person. Um, I, look, I, I think I think you make a good point about how uh, you know these these scenes being uncomfortable and these characters being unlikable. Like, yes, this would all be fine if the movie was leaning more into that and the movie was about okay why why is leah thompson's character like this like we're with her she's unlikable in the same way that like jack nicholson's character in about schmidt is a an unlikable kind of bad guy but you learn over the course of the movie and through following him around why he is the way he is you you get invested in him you're interested we never really know why leah thompson's character is right. the way she is she just is this way yeah. and you're just forced to watch her treat the people around her poorly and wa- watch all of these fights and these conflicts that happen as a result of her and but it's not being presented as like wow this is a powerful look at a family disintegrating it's all being presented with kind of a yes. soundtrack in the background of it <laughs> the great best best review of the movie <laughs> uh, uh, yes yes i would love to see those those sounds written out and, this... and it's and it's being presented and again it's like it's all of this stuff is being presented like these kind of nominally slapstick situations will happen like, Oh, the boyfriend was hiding in the RV. Oh no, we hit the dog. But then it just turns then into like sort of, uh, uh, like kind of bracing, uh, argument about, family dynamics and and a failing marriage, but it never really goes any deeper than that. And it just comes back to, Oh, the dog. It, it really feels like, and I, I don't know if Linda Voorhees is from Omaha or not, but it really feels like an Omaha filmmaker saw that things were happening in their city uh, 
and then happened to see Little Miss Sunshine and thought, you know what, mm-hmm. I can make a movie, mm-hmm. even though this isn't her first movie. Yeah. <laughs> in fact, it's her last movie. Mm, um, well. Uh, well. So she's like, okay, I, I, I've got the inspiration from Alexander Payne, uh, Little Miss Sunshine, this movie about dysfunctional family that we're really invested in getting to California is, you know, super popular, it was, you know, uh, huge at the Oscars the year before. Yeah. I'm going to do my version of pulling all these things together only without the like depth of talent that any of those people have. Uh, yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. It's, it's you know, it, in the same way that there's this whole genre of kind of Coen Brothers knockoff type films yeah. that don't quite achieve that same level. This is sort of the Little Miss Sunshine, the the Little Miss Sunshine about Schmidt crossover fanfic that uh, just didn't really get off the ground. Yeah, um, like if you if you dissected like Greg Kinnear from uh, Little Miss Sunshine, and like like an autopsy or something, like kind of <laughs> it, it dissect his personality, okay. and you take the like compulsive nature to want to do something for his family and give that to Leah Thompson only uh, you know make it selfish but then you like put the like you know dad aspect of the glue that's holding the family together into Dave Foley and you've kind of just got a really watered down you know family dynamic that yeah yeah just uninteresting not even not even watered down like water isn't the substance it's like it's like runoff (laughs) or something or i i I don't know yeah uh so look speaking of uh, speaking of 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 things running off well i guess it that doesn't right the the point is we thought the dog was dead oh no it turns out the dog is actually uh still alive uh not not a dead dog in the middle of this supposed comedy um but then uh uh patricia richardson is immediately like we have to take this dog to to the animal doctor otherwise known as a veterinarian i don't know why i couldn't come up with that word <laughs> but oh we got to we got to take this dog to the vet right now and they pick up the dog and throw the dog in the rv and go roaring off to the animal hospital over leah thompson's protests that she just wants to get on the road and why can't they take the dog in in uh, Patricia richardson's car which by the way, I don't want to try and take uh, Ginger Gaynor's side in this movie because she's the bad guy, but it would make a lot more sense to put the dog... Like, an RV is slow and cumbersome and not good for driving <laughs> right. into an urban area. I'm I'm sorry. And that- also, not her dog? Not like, her dog? I mean, I don't know. I guess in that situation, I would also go to the vet just to make sure that it's okay. I wouldn't... I, I probably wouldn't be rushing off to California and then texting, so... What's the status on the dog? Is it dead or alive? Yeah, exactly, exactly. Just give me, just give me updates on this. Uh, so they, yeah, they go off to the animal hospital, and they're there. Um, oh, here's here's a here's a fun note. Uh, one of our establishing shots is they're there and they're waiting to get updates on how the dog is doing. I think Dave Foley has arrived first. They took multiple cars. I don't know, uh, but he's uh, Dave Foley wins the 2007 pretending to drink from an empty cup award it's so good (laughs) he's got a styrofoam (laughs) cup in hand and it's just really like yeah i mean i know there's nothing in it but you're you're really making it look like there is (laughs) Uh, it's good business it's a good little bit of business there dave foley um so at the animal hospital, there's more confrontation between Patricia Richardson and Leah Thompson. Patricia Richardson talking about how she's always tried to tolerate and defend her. And she's saying to Leah Thompson, haven't you always noticed the way people roll their eyes behind your back when you brag about your job or your house or your car? And 
you know, Leah Thompson is is being just, you know, a more abrasive, verbally abusive stuff back. And Patricia Richardson finally says, you know what? I didn't want to say this, but you're a B word. I'm calling you the B word. And then walks away, which <laughs> might be the funniest line in the movie. And, and God bless that it comes from Patricia Richardson. Uh, yes, agreed. Worth mentioning because you said there is a lot of sway there once you meet uh uh Vicky Lewis and Ethan Phillips like there's a lot of goddams mm-hmm. um this movie's rated PG <sighs> I mean a it's a little weird is all i'm saying it's it's probably because the the ratings people got like 20 minutes into the movie and were like hey it's fine it is what is PG <laughs> just this is good enough just they get did, her out they, of here they weren't able to to keep their eyes open for the they, whole they thing. they watched 20 minutes of the movie and they were like well okay i mean we've watched this two and a half hour long film i'm sure the credits are about to come on we'll uh, we'll we'll turn it off <laughs> um the doctor or the doctor the animal doctor otherwise known as a veterinarian at the <laughs> clinic um, tells them that Bounder the dog is totally fine. Uh, he just fainted in fear uh, when the RV was coming at him, and that's where Leah Thompson says that he fainted like a pussy. Um, if if an RV was fully bearing down on me, I would faint too. I'm so, you, you, yeah. You call that whatever you want to call that, but uh, getting hit by an RV is scary. Um, <laughs> I also just I want to brief- see. But that's that's a line though that I wish the movie could live up to, like. I, I I wish that they had built Leah Thompson into such a villain, like an over the top villain by this point, that I could you know kind of take pleasure in watching her be irrational with these sorts of responses. But it's not; it just kind of comes out of nowhere. I'm like, oh my god, yeah, she's called a dog a pussy. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, another thing that comes out of nowhere: the the veterinarian is uh, she appears to be Persian. Wait. Vet, you mean the dog doctor? I'm sorry, yes, the the doctor. Yes, I'm sorry. The <laughs> dog doctor, who, who and I should clarify, a human being who is a doctor for dogs. Uh, she's it's Persian. Not a dog that's a doctor. Yeah, yeah, and she's she's Persian. And no, I don't mean like a cat, a Persian. I mean that she is a human being whose you know family lineage can be traced back to Persia, modern day Iran. Point is. Uh, the uh, Dave Foley and Patricia Richardson's mother, who is there and around makes there. numerous kind of comments about oh how boy. uh like oh this this veterinarian of dubious uh origin or or dubious ethnicity or something like she goes out of her way to Yeesh. just kind of single out her race which i know th- i know the movie is trying to be like ah this this old lady has some weird thoughts about people of other races like the movie's not saying that that's cool and okay but it's it's like well I don't know about that. I because I I started flagging stuff from there. Like until we're at the vet, there's really not a, a thick layer of Christianity to this movie. But no. it starts getting layered in from here to the end, and I'm unsure whether it's a commentary on Midwest Christianity or if it's a proponent of it. I I I think it's I think it's. Uh, I think it's a critique of Midwestern Christianity because the Patricia Richardson and and her mother Irene are both uh, Lutherans, and there's a lot of jokes about being Lutherans. And as someone who grew up on the West Coast but listened to so much Prairie Home Companion, uh, my and and then having watched this movie, I just get the impression that Midwesterners have a 
much bigger, uh, for lack of a better word, titty hard on for the concept of someone being a Lutheran <laughs> or or the the comedy value of a person being a Lutheran. Like I I, I I don't I don't I don't really know what being a Lutheran means. I know you're some kind of generic Protestant, but there's. I, <laughs> I don't know. There's all the like at one point they say like in the name of Martin Luther stop, and I'm like, geez, w- w- what? Like, <laughs> is it really? Are they really that hard for Martin Luther? Like, are they are they you know well, really big on I mean. nailing like, shit to cathedral doors? That, well, that's kind of what I mean. It's like the 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 level of deep dive they have on some of these references is like that's not just some passive. <laughs> you know person that's making a commentary on christianity usually uh maybe it's a lapsed christian i'm not sure exactly but it it felt a little too in the know uh to to not exactly be uh i don't know a little preachy I, I mean, maybe this, maybe, uh, maybe Linda Voorhees is a hardcore Catholic and she's actually really pissed off at Martin Luther <laughs> for breaking off from the Catholic Church. This movie's trying to take Lutherans down a peg. Ooh. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. You don't need, you know, f- fuck you. You don't read the Bible yourself. You go to a priest to do that. I think that's the difference between Catholicism and Protestantism. I've never <laughs> had a religion. You're asking the wrong person. But uh, more, more sounding off about shit we don't know. Hey, world religion, how bad could it get? The point is. Uh, they, they, so the dog has been proven to be fine. There's been all this debate in the waiting room before they see the dog getting evaluated about, oh, the dog might be dead. The dog might be alive. The dog might be dead. And it's like, well, no, we saw the dog. I've never cared less about a dog in a movie than in this movie. And and at this point, the rest of the movie is kind of about the dog, really. And... (laughs) But like, there, there's all this debate. Oh, oh, is the you know, if the dog is dead, it's going to be your fault, and you need to apologize because you might have killed my dog. And I'm like, we saw the dog be totally okay a second ago. Like, very right. obviously, the dog does not have like massive internal bleeding. Um, but so then after they find out the dog is okay, she, you know, Leah Thompson. Okay, Patricia Richardson is demanding that Leah Thompson apologize for hitting the dog, and Leah Thompson is demanding that Patricia Richardson apologize for something, and then Leah Thompson is trying to make Dave Foley make Patricia Richardson apologize, and it's just, and it's, and oh, and they spend plenty of time on this. We're in that, we're in that waiting room for another, like, two hours of the movie's runtime as they, as there's just all this you know, you should apologize to me. No, you should apologize to me. No, 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 you should apologize to her. I can't believe you took her side. I'm not taking her side. I'm taking his side. You should apologize to him because of that. Because, I, like, n- none of this is good. None of this is remotely interesting. And I would know about making interesting content as we approach <laughs> one hour and 33 minutes longer, indeed, than the movie that we're criticizing for being too long. Um, yeah. But so this this all culminates in Leah Thompson grabbing Bounder the dog, running out of the exam room with him and locking herself in the RV with him. And 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 the the business that they do to try and make it plausible that Patricia Richardson who was chasing after her couldn't catch up to her is is hilariously awkward. Like they're in the exam room, she grabs the dog and there's this whole thing of Patricia Richardson trying to get around the exam table to catch up to her and then oh the orderly's blocking her and she has to get around him and there's a you know, Leah Thompson running across the parking lot, and Patricia Richardson is just, like, she has to, like, purposefully just trot or canter to, yeah. to be slow enough to not catch up to Leah Thompson, who's, you know, doesn't have super long legs or anything, and is carrying a large dog. <laughs> like, there's no way she could outrun, but I don't, I don't know how I got to this point where I'm, like, comparing actresses 
speeds like they're like <laughs> I don't either yeah like it's i don't know they were opposing dexterity checks or something I, but <laughs> they she she gets into the rv with the dog she's locked herself in there she's like going to keep the dog in the rv until patricia richardson apologizes to her for something and I'm then gonna, I'm, I'm just i'm gonna save you it, it doesn't fucking matter i mean it, you you encapsulated it pretty concisely it's just this back and forth of you apologize. I won't apologize. I'm going to lock myself in here. Uh, well, uh, until you apologize. Well, I'm never going to apologize. God, I'm doing the same thing you just went through. I know. Like, I know. It's just it's just that ad infinitum. And then it's it becomes a series of, well, this person's locked in this in the RV with Leah Thompson, who I think is Vicki Lewis at one point. And, and and cookies stuck in there with her, and for some reason yeah. can't get out. Even though it's like it's as though she's been kept in the RV against her will. But it's like Patricia Richards, uh, but like Leah Thompson came in, shut the door, and locked it from the inside. Cookie, you can unlock the door and run out whenever you want. <laughs> Leah Thompson is not guarding the door. She's sitting in the driver's seat, yelling out the window at Patricia Richardson, who's trying to block the RV, like that guy at Tiananmen Square blocking the tanks. Why are you making that reference, Truman? Um, because this the, movie just takes you to places. Speaking of going to depressing places, we cut from this to back inside the animal hospital where Dave Foley is kind of like crouching by a dog in a crate and is kind of just playing with the dog and smiling and having a nice quiet moment. And the the vet comes over like I, I think I think at this point Leah Thompson has used her cell phone to call the vet and has asked them to take the phone to Dave Foley and they ask him what you know the so the vet asks him what are you doing? He says, Oh, I'm just having a quiet moment with this dog like there's just this like he you know it's oh it's you know is that my wife on the phone yeah okay like this very real sense coming off of him that like this man's life is hell he is trapped in a relationship with this awful awful person and this this like minute of just playing with a dog who just has nothing but sweetness and kindness in its eyes is like this is this is making his his year basically. This is the only respite he'll get from this hell that he's trapped in. Um, really brought me. I mean, like it, it's a a very moving performance from Dave Foley that made me so sad. <laughs> <laughs> I there's something I can say about it that I haven't already said. I the moment in and of itself, I don't mind. And in, in fact, I kind of like it in a different movie with different characters, I, <laughs> like. I, Maybe maybe it comes down to as much as I love Leah Thompson and I'm even like I, happy to stick up for her range. It's maybe a miscast here. Like mm-hmm. you you need someone that is bringing villain package with them. Yes. not someone. This movie doesn't feel like it can support someone playing against type. I, I that may be why Leah Thompson took the part was like oh this is my chance to play against type to stretch my you know, wings and because I mean, look, looking at this from an actor's perspective, if you are just looking at the script and all of the lines that are Ginger's lines, she's got a lot of lines, a lot of screen time. It's an opportunity to play a really unlikable character. I don't blame her for taking it. But yeah, it does. I right. I think you needed to. Yeah. Um so so anyway leah thompson winds up you know she she's trying to harp on dave foley on the phone he hangs up on her hell yeah break free dude uh and she winds up just driving (laughs) off in the rv with bounder the dog and with cookie trapped inside and then dave foley 
uh, like come he he sees this happen. He's in the parking lot with Milo and Patricia Richardson and uh, and and her mom are like talking about. Oh, we need to follow him. They're ta- kidnapping my dog. Yo, uh, Stu, what are we gonna do? And Stu just grabs his son Milo and just goes, "Hey, son, let's go take a walk." And they just wander off. And again, I'm really liking this. Like in as much as I could like anything in this movie, but I'm just like, okay, is this movie going to become like, this is Stu realizing that he's going to get a divorce. Is this like, is this him finally just living for himself and breaking free of this? And they go off, they, they just walk to a pizza place and get the most disgusting pizza I've ever seen in a movie. And, and as they're walking, Patricia Richardson and, and her mom, are in their van and they decide, oh, let's follow them in the van because they'll lead us to where Leah Thompson is. And it's like, I don't know what movie you've been watching, Patricia Richardson, where you think that, A, <laughs> Leah Thompson, who is clearly at odds with everyone, has some kind of pact with Stu about meeting up somewhere, and B, how you think that this man walking on foot is going to get to the same place that the RV going at full speed is going to get. I, I don't know. I don't know. None of it makes sense. None of it. I don't know. Uh, yeah. Let's let's wrap it up. Yeah, let's let's wrap it up. They 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 get some gross pizza uh, and and talk about getting a dog. Meanwhile, in the RV, uh, Leah Thompson and Cookie are driving around. Uh, Leah Thompson cries a little bit talking about how important Doheny Beach was to her as a kid, and she just wanted to recapture that perfect moment. And then all of a sudden, Cookie likes her mom again. Cookie calls Kevin to come try and pick her up because they're going to stop for gas. They stop someplace, and Kevin and his parents, who are out driving around nearby, come and they throw open the door to the RV, and Bounder goes running out. And now the movie is, everybody's got to find where Bounder went. Bounder ran off into a park somewhere in downtown Omaha. And somehow all of the characters converge on this park in downtown Omaha, and for about... uh, 20 or 35 hours it's just everyone running around the park (laughs) yelling bounder 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 just running around the park yelling the dog's name yeah Uh, where does this because i was curious about this this starts at minute uh okay at at one hour and 10 minutes that scene starts and it goes through to the end of the film it looks like uh ends at one hour and 18 minutes. Yeah. And so eight eight minutes of this just, Bounder, Bounder, there he is. Though he's running. Oh, and then people sick of looking, and so they're sitting on a stoop. And so, I, but then they get activated, and they go start looking, and then another person, you know, Grandma's now playing Game Boy. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. It just, it, Ma- it's a never-ending carousel of characters being invested or not invested in looking for pounder and the 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 the, one of the most jarring and and heartbreaking moments in the movie comes during this scene though where you know there's all this running around leah thompson at one point she and and teensy or whatever the fuck her name is are in the rv and they're talking about something and i don't know if they have some kind of come to jesus conversation or what but they're like Leah Thompson runs up to Dave Foley, who's chasing after Bounder, and stops him, and and she's trying to apologize to him or trying to say sorry, and he goes, he says to her, "Listen, I don't want to hear about your summer of of us at Doheny Beach, the one from her teenage years. Your summer of us didn't include me, so that's like a that's the, some indicator that okay, I guess she likes Doheny Beach because there was a boy she met there when she was a teenager, whatever." And he says to her, "You wanted to add me to your perfect moment, so then you can love me." And he says to her, I think you want to love me, and I think you remember loving me, 
but I think that's the best you can do. And she says to him, that's a terrible thing to say. And he says, yeah, it is. And then he runs off after Bounder again, and she looks after him and cries a single tear. And that that then then it then it's just kind of like oh more chasing bounder and then kevin eventually whistles and then that is the one <laughs> thing that makes bounder turn around and then they've got bounder again and and that's kind of, like we don't get any more like window into wait what's going on with dave foley and leah thompson's relationship like he basically admitted hey i know you don't love me and see that that's an interesting culmination to come to in a climax of a movie of a better the, movie. <laughs> well, that's the thing is like the the hour and 10 minutes leading up to this it, it's a conclusion that like wasn't even in the thesis of the movie. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> um but I I do want to okay, there are a couple things I want to point out. Um when they're all looking for Bounder, there's a moment when they find him and then they're all kind of gathered and talking. I I think because all these actors had to be in Omaha for the shoot, they had this day where they're like, okay, everybody's on set, everybody's on call, we need you, we need you here. Vicky Lewis and, and Ethan Phillips are just in the background sitting on the stoop for most of the scene. Yep. Out of you know, out of focus. Yep. And I'm almost certain Ethan Phillips is legitimately asleep on L- Vicky Lewis's lap. Like <laughs> Not being asked to do anything for take after take after take after take after take except lie there, I'm pretty sure he's sleeping. Because they have they have come into the park, uh, Vicky Lewis and, and Ethan Phillips, you know, following Kevin or whatever the fuck, and they they basically sit down on these big steps. I'm like, yeah, you guys keep looking for him. And because Ethan Phillips' character's whole thing is like, I work night shift, I'm tired all the time. He basically sits down and yeah, lays back on her lap and starts snoring. And maybe they maybe they wrote that in. Like, maybe they shot all the other scenes first, and they're like, oh, shit, Ethan Phillips fell asleep. Let's write in a scene of them doing that so it makes sense why he's asleep. Wait, 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 wait. Did you just conflate the character with the actor? Uh, What, Ethan Phillips? What did I say? No, I'm asking, because you said the character works nights. Yeah. I maybe he I, yeah so like I, the character does work nights yes I'm I'm not suggesting that actor Ethan Phillips works nights but maybe he does I don't know his life but then you but then you suggested they that he fell asleep in the back of background of the scene and so they had to write the fact that they sit down and and fall asleep there yeah I, I did suggest that because you you yourself thought that he was actually but, asleep in the background because probably it was pretty boring okay, okay the correlation that I'm getting is the character that Ethan Phillips is playing works nights and is tired and therefore Ethan Phillips is tired in the scene and fell asleep he's a method actor Landon of course (laughs) he takes this role seriously now folks at home listening to Landon and I debate back and forth over this utterly trivial point that means nothing at all uh, if that was boring for you imagine if you will watching this movie Um, (laughs) because it's the same experience Oh God! There's... She calls a dog a pussy, though. That's kind of funny. she just call a dog um, a pussy. I I do like that. Okay. Uh, here here's the last couple notes I have. Um, okay. Uh, well, it's kind of rehashing the same stuff. Uh, I wish they had gone in a more with Leah Thompson's character, a more um the movie Young Adult with Charlize Theron. Mm. I've have not seen, seen that. that. No, so I yeah, don't know what okay. that means. But uh, it, I, I, I'm familiar like with that genre of fiction at the library. <laughs> she's someone who is like a a she uh, she's 
a woman who has never really had the um, push to mature past her young adult years. So yeah. she's kind of like a petulant teenager in a woman's body, mm-hmm. just, you know, thinking that the world bends to her will. Mm-hmm. And it's it's her comeuppance and her kind of come to Jesus uh, story that young adult is. Uh, kind of wish it was a little bit of that. Kind of wish it was a little bit of... Uh, Little Miss Sunshine, you know, more in that direction. Yeah. At one point, I actually thought that this was going to be kind of, I don't know why I thought this, why I would get my hopes up in this <laughs> kind of weird, absurdist, experimental way, but uh, it felt like there was going to be, the fact that they couldn't get out of Omaha was going to be this kind of Boonwellian exterminating angel sort of scenario where there's mm. just like some weird supernatural unexplained force that just won't let them leave Omaha. And yeah. I thought that could have been kind of fun to explore, but it doesn't. Yeah. Um, and it just ends up being a really boring movie. <laughs> they're, they're at the park Everybody kind of like uh, everybody it, was not kung fu fighting. No, which would have made it better. Wish they had been. Wish they had been. Uh, everybody was not winging Jung tonight. No, no, nobody which was. Is, uh, would also made it better. No, no, uh, no, and no one was having fun tonight either. Um, <laughs> and uh, I mean, but listen, everybody was kind of playing the fool. I'll give you that. Uh, <laughs> but they so, and everybody does hurt. <laughs> Especially the viewers, us more than anyone else. <laughs> um, so they th- there's there's a round of kind of half-hearted end of a home improvement episode episode style apologies from Leah Thompson, which you know there's this whole thing with Patricia Richardson like oh I- I'm sorry no you don't have to apologize we're family well actually yes she does have to apologize she's objectively bad can we hug dot 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 maybe at Christmas yes at Christmas we can hug. Um, so then Dave Foley says to Leah Thompson, if we leave right now, we can still make it to Doheny Beach, California. We'd just be a day late. Mind you, their, their last interaction before this was, hey, you don't actually love me. I, and, and I, I think that our relationship is a failure. And now it's like, oh, well, we can go out there. Uh, and she says instead, I think I know someplace better than California. And we cut to our last scene of the movie where they are back at their house. They're having a barbecue in the front yard <laughs> by the RV. What the fuck? Why isn't it Branson? Why isn't it Branson? The whole movie, everyone wants to go to Branson. It, Patricia Richardson and her mom had the plan to go to Branson. This this is the worst case scenario for everyone involved. And, and, no and, one yeah. is getting what they want. And, and also that it's like her and Dave Foley sitting together and it's like, oh, okay, Dave Foley, you had a chance to escape and you're right back in. Okay. <laughs> and so there, you know, uh, there, there yeah, the, the cop comes back and Kevin's dad is grilling a mistake or something. And Patricia Richardson is trying to go inside to get some more ice. And, oh, you guessed it. She sets off the burglar alarm. Ha! The boy, ha. Boy, and boy. I want to, I want to call out that, that I I was looking so hard for this song because I wanted to rip it to use it as the intro and outro music for this episode, and I, I couldn't find it. But it's this it's this like weird party song that is just like that is how you make a margarita. It's I true maybe just the giddiness of knowing that the movie was almost over was why I I it it was just impossible to not laugh at. Uh. 
But so our last shot is Leah Thompson and Dave Foley sitting in lounge chairs with their feet in the dirt. Yep, not in the sand, just in a bunch of fucking dirt on their front lawn. And he says, it's a nice view. And she says, I like it here. And then a very long freeze frame on them before we slowly fade to black. And never mind the fact that they've just exposed gigantic gaping fissures in their relationship that seemingly (laughs) will not be addressed. Uh, As it fades to black, the last thing we hear is the ending of this How to Make a Margarita song, which is this sort of quirky little bloop sound effect, like bloop bloop. Uh, it it just that's I've made I've done more <laughs> weird sound effects on this episode than any other, but it's just anyway. Then it is it it's it's we, just it's it is, no it's, it's no it needs to be said no it's unjust it's, it's it, that unjust. is that is the true thing. But look this but then it's it fades to black and I'm like great finally free. Wait why are there six minutes left and I just realize oh shit there's gonna be bloops. Um, there weren't Truman, bloops. I, think I found the song. You found the song, but I mean, like, is it I on YouTube I, where I can rip it, or is it yeah. just the one on Spotify? It's on YouTube. Well, I need to, I need to compare it to. Uh, I, I need to compare. Well, <laughs> gonna just ignore everything you said for legal reasons. Uh, I, I need to compare it to um, the movie again, but I, I'm pretty sure listening in just a very quick preview. Uh, it's called "One Margarita" by Luke okay. Bryan. Okay. Okay, I, folks. If you're if you're lucky, and if the stars align, when this episode fades out, you will you will hear this song, and it will make you maybe happy. Um. Oh wait, wait. Here I've got. Uh, okay, I've got a I've got a list of uh, songs in the movie. Okay. Great. Great. Oh, it's called. Okay, I got it. It's called "How to Make a Margarita" by Joe Kramer. How to make a margarita. It's actually pretty easy to make a margarita. It does. This does not need a song. I mean, frankly, based on my experiences at, at bars, there should be a song about how to make a proper Gibson martini, but that's for another time. Um, <laughs> you don't put too much vermouth in it. Uh, so the credits are just interspersed with just quick bits with Dave Foley and Leah Thompson in bed oh God, just is... kind of just doing brief comedy bits, quote unquote. Uh, it, I, yeah, I don't even know that that's what you would consider it comedy. Just talking about, oh, she wants to remodel and we could live in the RV while the contractors tear out the walls to create the new atrium breakfast nook. Or they're watch they're watching TV in bed and we're hearing porn noises. It's like, honey, I can't believe you subscribed to this channel. I thought it was a food channel, you know, Spice. And it's like the kids that there was a thing called the Spice Channel that was porn. Uh, and he, <laughs> him talking about wanting to trade in the RV. Oh, this is this is one thing they mention at the end when they're having the barbecue in the front lawn and Patricia Richardson's going like, why are you? Why are we using the RV for this? Why don't we go in the house? He says, well, we bought the RV. We ought to at least use it. RVs are expensive, especially the one in this movie. It's pretty effing big. This is a, like, high five figures purchase, if not... And that's if you got it used. New, this thing is over $100,000. Um, Sorry, I, I got... I, I'm very distracted with with something. Uh, I, 
okay, well, well, you know, and probably the listeners have stopped listening at this point too, but I'm just sitting here saying it is objectively bonkers to buy an RV on a whim for a trip that you don't even wind up taking. Like, not only is their relationship <laughs> fucked, yeah, their credit it. score so. is fucked, their finances are fucked, they sank all this money into an RV to try and recapture a teenage dream that is in fact ending her relationship with Dave Foley. Like, this is the first chapter in the worst five years of all of these people's lives coming after this. The, like, what's gonna... Oh, God, this movie made me so sad. Oh, that's what it was. Okay. I got very confused because I know last week I had mentioned the movie Way of the Gun, yeah. and I couldn't remember why. And I it was because I was putting it in context of where it was in uh, last week's movie in, in context of James Kahn's career. So he was in Way of the Gun. And I mentioned that because Joe Kramer, the writer of How to Make a Margarita, was the oh. composer for Way of the Gun. And I'm like, what kind of weird intersecting... Uh, coincidences are we having from movie to movie here? Yeah, it's like it's like Branson, Missouri, and and this Kramer guy, giddy up, I guess. Um, so okay, now, now hold on, I, I still have more with this. Okay, how to make a margarita how appears in this movie, written by Joe Kramer, who is the composer for Way of the Gun. Okay, and there's a track on Way of the Gun soundtrack called How to Make a Margarita, featuring Selena Gomez. <laughs> what the Fuck! What the fuck? <laughs> what? What's Landon? What is going on? I f- all right. I feel like I'm. I feel like I've pulled off to use a rest stop, but it's actually a house with a nice lady giving me coffee. Like I am so confused. All right, I got one more confusing and odd bit of trivia for you. Okay. Uh, the daughter in this movie is yeah. an actress who's gone on to you know many other things. Good for her. But one thing she's known for uh, is that movie. she she's helped earn her pay. Uh, she writes books of Mad Libs. Like she works for <laughs> Mad Libs. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. I would rather have listened to mad libs for uh most <laughs> of the the you know most of the runtime of this movie uh wow i mean that's that's an interesting uh that's an interesting way to be a hyphenate actor it's like you see a lot of actor director or actor musician but not a lot of actor uh mad libs writers <laughs> uh, uh there need to be more honestly uh i know i i full, i fully agree that would be truly mad um I, I okay. Two two things that jumped out at me in the credits. One is that there's credits for a helicopter pilot and an onset tutor. Uh, th- just this, there was more money behind this movie than you might think. I guess. I mean that they <laughs> they they hired a helicopter pilot and cleared airspace over Omaha to get some of these overhead shots of the RV driving around. Amazing. Um, the the ending song, the song that plays over the credits. Sadly, not how you make a margarita is a song called A Western Town in Nebraska. And, uh, you know, it doesn't... Yeah, I'm, I'm listening to it, and I'm like, I'm thinking, like, the guy's singing this. It doesn't sound, like, great. This is not, like, a, a great voice. So the person singing the ending song is Ben Nelson. And the interesting thing about Ben Nelson is that at the time this movie was made, he was a sitting United States senator for the state of Nebraska. He was the last Democrat to represent... Nebraska in the Senate. 
Uh, he cast one of the deciding votes in favor of Obamacare. He also cast a bunch of votes uh, uh, trying to stop gay marriage from being a thing. So, you know, you win some, you lose some. Um, I, I just, I was not expecting that, that the thing to take me out of this movie would be uh, former Senator Ben Nelson. Uh... <laughs> oh, wow. I mean, this movie's cast and crew... <laughs> are more interesting. We should have just spent the time talking about film-to-film connections and the the people behind this movie than talk about the movie itself. Yeah, truly, truly we should have. Um, Yeah, uh, so uh, don't... Yeah. Don't Do you have anything else? Don't watch this movie. Guys, no. watch watch Crazy on the Outside before you watch this movie. Honestly, I still think that's a worse movie, but you'll get a better story to tell out of Crazy. Like I think our podcast I, about Crazy on the Outside was a better episode than this one was. Jo- Sorry I'm only telling you guys this in now. real time. Yes, <laughs> I am. Li- Folks, don't listen to this episode. <laughs> I think our listeners can let us know. Uh, I'm, 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 I'm also going to say we 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 absolve ourselves of any televisions that are broken in the process of trying to watch Crazy on the Outside. For that reason alone, I suggest don't watch either of them. You have plenty of things to do with your life in such little time that we have on this earth. Don't do either of these things. I, I when I uh, half an hour into watching this movie, it took me. I, I had to watch this over the course of a couple days because it was just oh, too much. But I, I, I texted Landon about like I was about thirty minutes into the movie. I texted him like this. This movie is terrible. This movie is so bad. And he texted back like, "Well, it's not too late. We could switch and do a different movie." And I was like, "No, fuck you. I put half an hour into this thing. I'm not sacrificing that time." Um, but in retrospect, I probably should have probably scrapped it and watched a different one that we could have been maybe a little bit uh, a little bit more fun about on the air. <laughs> uh, there was an exchange I, I thought was kind of funny. Yeah. Um, in our was, podcast uh, or in the movie? In our in our text chain. Uh, oh yeah. I said I decided to watch this in black and white, and I think it was the right choice. And you're like. Uh, like a Bergman film. Are you taking a drink every time they say California? Because I should have been doing that. Um, and I said, Oh shit. I meant to take a hit every time they said California, but instead hit myself every time they said it. And now I have to accidentally say, I fell down the stairs. Uh, you said God falling down the stairs sounds nice compared to watching this movie. I said, I have some books you can borrow. Calling yeah. back to yeah how yeah I'd you're, like you're, to die. yeah yeah you're you're uh, calling back to a Gruntwork Nights episode that most of our uh, audience probably hasn't heard, but about Landon's <laughs> belief that he will slip on a stack of books and fall down his stairs. Uh, that I feel like I've always been watching this movie. It's like we went through a lot of just, shining comparisons. You're, you're, you're just reading our texts now. You're just reading our fucking texts to people, and we and we try to claim that this movie is boring Wait, was, and a poor use of this time. This is what I was getting. I wanted okay wanted okay to get okay to this sorry. part. Okay, get to this part. <laughs> A bunch of shining uh, jokes. This is me saying, uh, California screaming, am I right? Yeah. <laughs> Truman says, California dreaming of the sweet release of death. <laughs> California death trip. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And then do you want to uh, leave you an edit point here? Okay. Do, do you want to mention, uh, <laughs> do you want to mention what you discovered about Linda Voorhees? Uh, yes, uh, I I did in doing some research on Linda Voorhees, um, the the uh, who wrote this fine film and directed it. Uh, she 
if you want to learn the craft uh, and how to write screenplays, you can take a screenwriting workshop from Linda Voorhees. It will only cost you $1,750 to learn how to write a movie like California Dreamin'. Uh, so do that if you... And let us know how it goes. If you're in a Brewster's Millions situation where you have to spend a certain amount of money in order to get a certain <laughs> amount of money. Um, I, I don't know. I, I've been... Like last week, I went out of my way to praise and 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 talk about the, the screenwriters of the movie and say, hey, I don't want to just be bagging on your work. I It's hard to make a movie. I, if, if Linda Voorhees, if you have found this and are listening to this um i'm sorry for all the shit that we've said i'm sure you're a good person um but you know when you make art and put it in the world it is then subject to interpretation <laughs> you probably have some spicy opinions about our podcast which you are fully entitled to yeah yeah yep um that's how you make a mea culpa i guess here's one good thing i took from this movie yeah, as okay. soon as because uh, it's available on tubi in English and Spanish as hey. separate titles. Um, as soon as it was over, uh, you know, it goes into the uh, what else is on Tubi that you might enjoy if you like this movie and you found your way to the end of it somehow. Uh, I learned that the movie Clifford, starring Martin Short and Charles Grodin, is on Tubi, and oh. I might, I might uh, do a salve on myself and watch that instead to to bounce back. You know, kind of the, the 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 older I get and the deeper we get into this media hellscape, the more I realize that there is one good streaming service and it's Tubi. It just, like, <laughs> it's kind of like, if you're okay with occasionally watching an ad for either NFL Sunday Ticket or a weird homeschooling corporation that now has partnered up with the Sun Made Raisin Company, uh, it's, a, <laughs> it's a pretty good site. Yeah, I, I, I'm a big Tubi subscriber I, I mean in that i watch movies on it yeah yeah i mean but you you get you get the full range stuff like rob schneider's big stand in which he goes to prison and has you know uh a 90 minute long gay joke uh but Ooh. you also get you know <laughs> high-end uh high-end stuff in there too like uh something uh nothing nothing on the home page is particularly <laughs> Uh wow. Uh, everybody hates Chris. Everybody hates Chris. Yep. yep. Twenty twenty one Jump Street. Yeah. Yeah. Those those oh. great Crazy on the Outside. Fuck. Yeah. <laughs> crazy <laughs> on the outside. Took us on a wrong turn. Oh damn no. It. Oh damn it. Okay. Well it does this make is, sense though. To be to be the worst site. It's the site where you can watch California Dreaming and Crazy on the Outside back to back. I like how the algorithm is like, ah, he watched uh, he, he he watched California Dreaming. You know what else he's gonna like? Crazy on the Outside. These movies have one thing in common. <laughs> hey, yeah. uh, Lars and the Real Girl. There you go. There, it's, there. That's, that's a movie. That's that's a movie that's good. Um, well, uh, I don't want to keep talking about this anymore. In fact, I want to uh, forget that I likewise ever saw it. Although, listen, on the looking on the bright side, on December tenth, twenty ten, uh, Senator Bill Nelson did vote with the Democrats for the "Don't Ask, Don't Tell" <laughs> repeal act of twenty ten. So I guess he did kind of come around on gay rights. Of course, at that point, he had I think he was already almost no, he retired in twenty twelve. Uh, yeah, okay. 
Do you want to keep okay. talking about Ben Nelson's voting record? That's going to be way more interesting stuff. No, uh, but I did just find a movie on Tubi called Son of Bigfoot. It's an animated movie, and I'm trying to see if there are any character, any actors from Home Improvement in it. <laughs> oh, my God. I can't believe Bill Nelson was the first Democratic senator to support Samuel Alito's right, confirmation okay. <laughs> to the Supreme Court. Fuck that guy. If you <laughs> made it through this episode... Uh, it means you really love us, and you might be supporting us on Patreon. Uh, if you also want to support us <laughs> in these ventures, uh, you can support us on Patreon by becoming an official Grinhead sponsor for only as little as $1 per month, and it goes a long way to help us keep these things plugged in, these mics, these recorders, everything that we do to make this podcast Um goes a long way. You can do that over at patreon.com slash gruntworkpod. Uh you can leave us a rating or review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts. It helps people find the show, uh, which we, we is helpful. Well, also. Yeah, well, I think I think we would like it if people found the show. I think at this point we're still narrowly in favor of people knowing that we're doing this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yes, exactly. Um, and you could say hi to us at Instagram. Uh, at Gruntwork Pod, or you can visit our website, which is www.gruntworkpodcast.com, uh, where you can listen to other bonus episodes and other movies that we've done. Uh, I think, Truman, I did put a list together recently, mm-hmm. and I think we have done 30, uh, let me double check, I, it's, I think, 33 films we've done on, on Gruntwork. Damn. Okay. Okay. I, I mean... I guess that's not surprising. We have done a lot of movies, but that is an interesting piece. I, I don't know. I'm, I'm, str- I'm no, no, it's not even 20, true. Twenty six we've done. Oh well, that okay. Well, you know what, Lane? If you hadn't gotten my hopes up with the thirty three, now I hear twenty six. I'm like, oh, that's not that many. So you really, um, I don't know. We got, we got, we <laughs> got to like do movie. more movies. We got to keep it, got to keep it going. We will, we will continue to do movies. We're gonna do another movie next week. A better uh, one. But we, <laughs> I mean, that's. <laughs> not uh setting too high a standard there. Um we're not going to we will it'll be a surprise. I don't know what it is yet. Truman and I don't know what it is yet. Uh it'll be a surprise to us all when we press record next week on Grunt Work podcast. Wow. <laughs> wow. Great. We're I we're, we're finishing as strong as we started. <laughs> Until next week, when Gruntwork Podcasts bring you another Home Improvement cast member movie episode. I've been Landon Solano. I've been Truman Caps. And remember, don't name any of your kids Cookie, or indeed after any sort of dessert food. All of our listeners are named Cookie. Fuck. And they all were composers for the movie The Way of the Gun. What is going on here? You take them both, mix them up together.